New York sports fans. I am Danielle McCartan, and today, I guess we're going to call it, what, Danielle in the daytime? You know, the super utility around here. I'll be talking all things New York sports with you, uh, I believe, right up until the Yankees pregame tonight, which is around 6.30 in New York City and beyond. And whatever you're doing at the moment, I appreciate you tuning into the show right now and throughout the rest of the next couple of hours, whether that be on your car radio, 660 or the 101. 9 FM signal. Maybe you're streaming it from WFAN.com or maybe you're on the free Odyssey app, wherever you're listening. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. And of course, we're here in the Big Apple. Brian Rescona and I are coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio here in lower Manhattan. Start dialing. The number's already saved, but I'll give it to you anyway. 877-337-6666. Taking your calls right here in this first segment, so get aboard. Um, You know, I kind of changed up my entire plan last night on how I wanted to start the show. It was like 8 o'clock, and I was like, you know what? Crumple it up, scrap it, let's do this. Because entering last night's September 1 game, September 1st, believe it, September, beautiful day outside, by the way. But entering last night's September 1 game, our locals, local baseball teams, the Mets, the Yankees, found themselves flat on the mat just short of a technical knockout for this season. It's seven, eight, even nine. The last place Yankees, as of yesterday, before game time, were 18 and a half games back in the division. They were 10 and a half games back of the last wild card spot with three teams left to leapfrog or supplant. Not likely. The last place Mets. Hold their beer. 27 and a half games back in the division. Nine games back of the last wild card spot, but they have six teams left to leapfrog and supplant yesterday at first pitch. So just when you thought you could break yourself away from the New York baseball scene for good, just when you thought you could focus all of your attention on our Jets and our Giants with week one coming up, Rosters expanded. And maybe I'm just a nerd, which is totally possible. I'm, I, I am. I admit it. I'm a nerd. But last night's games, both for the Mets and for the Yankees, brought a little bit, a little element, an element of excitement back to these two ball clubs for the first time since I sat and thought about this, probably the trade deadline or the lead-up to the trade deadline this season, this summer. So however fleeting this moment of excitement will be in the grand scheme of things, I don't know. But I'm going to be honest. Last night, I was locked in. So of course they were on the streaming services, right? I had the Yankees on my TV on Amazon Prime through the PlayStation. And I had the Mets on my laptop on Apple TV. So I had them both on, not in my normal uh, split screen setup, which kind of sucked, but it's okay. I did have them both on, and I was actually manually flipping the volumes between both. Why? Because I wanted to watch, see, and hear everything to do with Dominguez, Wells, and Mauricio in their Major League debut. Debuts, plural, I guess, for all three of them. Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of Gotham City, here we go. The new youth city movement is upon us, and you have to embrace it. You have no other choice. We'll start with the Mets. For their number four overall prospect, 
Um, 90th overall in Major League Baseball pipeline, by the way. Fourth overall in the Mets, 90th overall. Ronnie Mauricio finally, uh, finally made his Major League debut in spite of the Mets screwing him every which way through this point. The Mets told him on June 2nd of this season that they were switching his position to second base. Through that point, he played for the Mets organization 92% of his major or minor league games at shortstop. 7% of his minor league Mets career was at second base, and the other 1% designated hitter. So how does Billy the Genius in Epler tell the kid to start to learn a brand new position on June 2nd, 2023, when his offensive output is already major league ready at that point? Then... You think he's getting a chance here? You're wrong. When the Mets put Luis Guillorme on the IL earlier this season and why the Mets didn't call up Mauricio at that point in time, well, he wasn't ready to play a defensive second base. And Billy and Epler said, he said, quote, I'd rather that happen in Syracuse than up here. He also cited some ambiguous offensive benchmarks that the Mets wanted Mauricio to reach in order to promote him. And I What? At that point, when when the GM made those comments, Mauricio was hitting 268 with five home runs and an OPS of 882 in the month of July. We questioned here on this show from June 2nd on what more does this kid, Ronnie Mauricio, have to do to sniff uh, the big league ball club? And if you go back a little bit farther, the second... The Mets signed Francisco Lindor to the longest contract extension in Mets history on April 1st, 2021. The Mets should have picked up the phone, dialed the minor leagues, and said, hey, yo, move Mauricio to second base. We got our shortstop for the next 10 years. And at that point, Mauricio would have been practicing his second base defensive skills for 884 days. Instead... They only started him there on June 2nd of this year. 55 games, that's it. Not in spring training, but during the regular season. Don't you think Lindor is like, I don't know, a major roadblock at shortstop for one of your top prospects? And maybe it's me that's the one that's confused. I'm not sure. And then, like the injustice is done to Ronnie Murray's, the over, you know, I, I just watched Rocky 4-5 and five the other night for the first time. Like that guy overcame a lot. This is like Ronnie Mauricio. Like, like let's play the, the eye of the tiger or something here. Because late Jan, even they had a chance here too. Late January of this year, the Mets signed Jeff McNeil to the, to the contract extension, and oh, probably making him a Met for life. So at this point, I would have called back the minor leagues and I would have said, "Hey, that switch hitting now, you know, second baseman Mauricio, yeah." Give him an outfielder's glove. Start giving him some reps in left and right field and figure out where he's more natural. And if the GM was smart enough, I don't want to say that, maybe had the more foresight to make that call 217 days ago at that point, or the other one 884 days ago, you'd have a complete serviceable Major League Baseball fielder that could have potentially helped this team make a push. We'll never know. Just... In this season at AAA Syracuse, he has played, Mauricio has played second base, shortstop, third base, and left field. 
He still, this season, has gotten at Triple A the most games at shortstop, which still completely just baffles me. And then Mauricio told Tacoma a few days ago, he said, quote, uh, through the translator, he said, it's been difficult because I only played shortstop earlier. So to try new positions at this level and not really knowing what to do has been a little frustrating. I'm trying to learn things on the fly. Man, I can't imagine why. I mean, really. So a kid who, since June, has played shortstop, has switched over to the right side of the infield to play second base, has then moved to the outfield and back to the left side to play left field, and then back to the infield to play third base, had a successful debut at the major league level? I know Mets fans are accustomed to miracles, so let me tell you, this is another one of them. And I actually read this morning in the most up-to-date Major League Baseball scouting report on Ronnie Mauricio that the Mets are thinking he is, this is a quote, better suited for a corner outfield spot. Like, what is their plan for him? They still don't have one. And that's only going to stunt his development. And nevertheless, Ronnie Mauricio persevered. You know, he finishes his first night in the bigs last night, two for three with a strikeout. And I know people in general just hate the Apple TV broadcast and for a multitude of plethora of reasons, I understand it. And I also understand it could have been just anyone working that game last night in the booth. But I actually thought it was a little extra special to have Wayne Randazzo on the call for uh, Mauricio's first major league hit. So then you had the, 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 the TV camera, the Apple TV camera, you know, panning to the 20 or so friends and family he had in his cheering section, and, and they just loved it. They ate it up. I love those moments. I love watching those moments. A guy finally realizing what he and his family have sacrificed so long and so hard for, and he, he finally happened. And I just love those moments. And it happened three times last night with him, with Wells, and with Dominguez. We'll get to the Yankees in a second. Buck Showalter said during the in-game interview with, uh, what's her last, Heidi Watney, Wat- Wal- Walney, something like that. Buck Showalter said, quote, I know everyone in the minor leagues is proud. And let me tell you, I believe that Ronnie Mauricio unleashed some pent-up frustration with that first swing. You know I know? It was a 117.3 mile an hour missile that like continued like to rise over the head of the right fielder. And he couldn't even get a read on it. And Ronnie Mauricio's first hit was the hardest hit ball by a New York Met all season. How about that for unleashing some fury? And it was the hardest hit first career hit by any player to debut since the stat casts of, of 2015. He's here. And now, again, the second at-bat didn't look great. It was a strikeout on three straight pitches. A called strike on a four-seam fastball, foul ball off a splitter, and then a swing and a sinker away in the dirt for for a strike three. But I like how he bounced back in his third at-bat. He was first pitch swinging, single on a ground ball to right field. So lots to like for Mauricio. And you know what else? Despite overcoming all of that adversity to get to that point, It was not lost on me that in Steve Cohen's letter to the fans, how many months ago, weeks ago at least, he did not mention Ronnie Mauricio in the same sentence as Senga, Beatty, and Vientos. 
actually the quote was from that Steve Cohen letter, for the rest of the 2023 season, we look forward to watching the continued development of Senga, Beatty, and Vientos, as well as Alvarez. You'll see exciting baseball being played by the longtime Mets you've grown to love, along with the new kids. No mention of Mauricio, and yet, here he is. And actually, tradable for me this offseason are two of the guys mentioned in that sentence, Vientos and Beatty. Move on from him before it's too late to. And as we spin to the Yankees here, it was also not lost on me that the Martian landed in Space City last night for the very first time. And alongside his mustached partner, Wells. And for the Yankees, I mean, it's, it's not all too normal to see a youth movement with the Yankees as, as, as pedal to the metal as this one, as we saw last night at least. But I was so happy to look at that defensive alignment last night on September 1st and see Wells at catcher, Volpe at shortstop, Peraza at second base, and Gleyber Torres was a late scratch, back issue. And then Dominguez also up the middle in center field. These are pretty prime, you know, positions there. Premium positions. Besides second base, you know, but shortstop, catcher, center fielder. This could be the nucleus of this team moving forward. We'll see. Pereira was also in the lineup, and, and I'm glad they're also giving him an extended shot more than just, you know, couple games here and there, up, down. So more on him in a second. And But when you looked at what the Yankees did last night in this youth movement, number two Yankees prospect and number 77 overall, Jason Dominguez finished the night one for four with a home run and two RBI. Number eight prospect for the New York Yankees, and he's unranked league-wide. Austin Wells finished the night also one for four. It was a successful night for both men in their debuts. But... I'll give you what I like most about both of them, and you can too, 877-337-6666. What I like most about Jason Dominguez, even more than his switch-hitting ability, is obviously his ability to go yard from the left-handed batter's box. He is the left-handed hitter Yankee Stadium needs. And last night, in his first ever major league at bat, he took... Three-time Cy Young winner, first ballot Hall of Famer Justin Verlander deep, 360 feet deep, 100 miles an hour off the bat on an 0-1 count into the seats in left field. And as I mentioned before, just a special moment for him, for his family members who absolutely lost their minds, and for the Yankees. And what I like most about Austin Wells, um, and, and to channel Aaron Boone here, he's a grinder. Okay, and and I know you and I, we've talked about, was that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Are they grinding at bats? He's a grinder. Like, what kind of connotation is that used in? Because to me, it's ambiguous at times. But for me to say, when I say Austin Wells is a grinder, I mean it in the best possible way. His first major league hit, it was the seventh pitch in that bat in which Justin Verlander mixed in three different pitches. Seventh pitch. First at bat. And did you see? I mean, his family was was sitting right in front of the Domingos family, and they celebrated together for both of the first hits, and I just love that, the little camaraderie there in the family section. But Wells, 
also like a hitter, man. He sprays it to all the fields, and he played true to his scouting report last night as well. And why I I ultimately think the guy's a a, a grinder is because his defense was questioned. Deservedly so, right? His defense was questioned uh, as he was making his way up the minor leagues and up the rankings. He put in the work. And Meredith talked about it in, in the game report last night. Wells' blocking ability, she said, and he, she talked to the, the catching coach, Wells' blocking ability improved dramatically is what she said. And he added five miles an hour on his throws down to second base. Five miles an hour. And, well, also, you got to love him because uh, he's the other half of the chicken parm duo, right? The Volpe-Wells-chicken-parm dinner duo. I think there's some advertising in that. Anyway, so it it was um, as locked in as I've been uh, to both teams really since the the trading deadline, really. Um, You know, the Yankees were hoping for them to catch fire, make a run. They just never did. They fizzled out, and the Mets well before that. But I tell you, last night I had on two screens. I was watching both games very intently. And every time one of these new guys stepped to bat, I muted the other device and I made sure I watched and listened and everything. And it was it, it actually, I, I'm not I'm not fabricating this. I never do. I was actually excited to watch it last night. So call me a nerd, whatever. But call me up. 877-337-6666. I'm Daniel McCartan with you till 6.30 here on The Fit. Welcome back to The Fan. My name is Danielle McCard. He is Brian Rescona behind the glass, taking your calls. And on the ones and twos, uh, and while I'm very excited about uh, watching the, you know, the prospects call up for the Yankees and the Mets last night, um, you know, I, I do have Amazon Prime. I do have Apple TV. Um, and, but I do know that a lot of people are, are quite pissed that uh, they didn't get to see that the call-ups of, of their prospects. And I got a, a DM on, on Twitter at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N from, from Larry Mandel. And he said, hey, uh, just my two cents here, Danielle. Uh, unfortunately for many of us Yankee fans, we probably missed the debut of The Martian last night. A bummer that a lot of us don't get either Prime or Apple TV. So there's a little bit of frustration there for uh, some of the fans uh, from both Met, the both sides. You know, last night, the, the Met fans and for the Yankee fans. Um, you know, and, and it's, I feel you, you know, I do, I do. And, and I think though, unfortunately, I, I think it's kind of like one of those get used to it kind of moments. I, I mean, I, I think these, these companies, you know, Amazon, Apple, I think they definitely picked that date, September 1st, roster expansion, New York Mets, New York Yankees, two of the biggest you know, teams with the biggest followings in the league on that particular date on purpose. Like, that wasn't by accident. So, unfortunately, you might be missing more of these milestone moments. Anyway, you know, for those who did see it, and, and maybe you didn't, maybe you're looking for, you know, someone to talk about that, that now and, and, and thoughts on it. I mean, it was exciting. It was it was good. Um you know, we'll talk in a minute about which of these prospects I think are ultimately going to be in the best scenario, best situation to succeed. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but but I do want to get to your calls here at 877-337-6666. I'm Daniel McCartan, and uh, I want to be with you a lot this Labor Day weekend. Um, today till 6.30, tomorrow 3.30 to 6.30. Then I'm bopping over to the Bruce Springsteen concert, by the way. 
and uh, on Monday, big time, <laughs> 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. So lots of me and you over the next three days, and I wouldn't want to have it any other way. It's a McCartan triple header on Labor Day weekend. And leading off the triple header on Labor Day weekend, the first caller is going to be Mike in Hasbro Heights. What's up there, Mike? Hey, how you doing, Danielle? Good, how are you? Good. I just, I, I'm, I'm happy that you brought it up because, I mean, I've been yelling about it since the day Lindor got, well, traded for and then signed mm-hmm. because the Mets knew who their shortstop was going to be for the next decade that right. was locked in. Yep. And they knew that Ronnie Mauricio was one of their top prospects. Right. It, that, that day, it should have been, you know, it, it, okay, we're, we're pulling the plug on the shortstop thing. He's going to be either a second baseman or a third baseman. Try to, you know, lock that in. He's going to be a second baseman moving forward. Yep. And and now I felt like this is the kind of thing that the Mets always seem to mess up when yep. they, even when they have the asset, they don't know what to do with it. Right. And then they, you know, and now all of a sudden this season they're thinking, oh, his bat is there, but right. they, he can't play second base. Yeah, like so it's a surprise. 884 days ago, the Mets had a decision to make. They inked or to a 10-year extension. Like we were both saying, at that point, they should have said, okay, Mauricio, we have to pivot with you, kid. Here's a, here's a, a second baseman's glove. Here's an outfielder's glove. you got to learn a new position. 884 days ago. Now the bat's ready. You know, in the minor leagues, the bat's ready. Yet his, his oh, well, we can't bring him up yet. His defense isn't there. Well, whose fault was that? They had a lot of time, too. And I know. He was, he was young. He was 20 years old. 884 years days ago. is what they had. 884 days ago. Plenty of time. He would have been. He would have been ready to go for this season. Yes. And who knows? Who know? Who knows what would have happened for the rest of the season? He's twenty three now. Exactly. Who knows? And my the biggest thing I noticed when he stepped into that box, I was like, man, he's big. So he's he's six three. He's a tall dude. You know. And like you said, who knows? He he would have maybe could have come into the season as the starting second baseman. All they were doing was talking about how he he was well he was 165 pounds I think when they drafted him mm-hmm. and I think he I think he's over 200 now and everybody was just talking about how big of a, how monstrous this guy is and he and now and now he can't you know he couldn't play all season because well oh wait we forgot to change his position for every game that he played shortstop from then on yes was a complete waste of time waste of time and even even through this year and thanks for the call there Mike I appreciate that. Uh, he's 168, I think now, by the way, pounds wise, but that doesn't matter. Um, every, like you said, every game that they started him at shortstop from the day, from, from April, what was it, April 20 something of 2021? April, April 1st of 2021, when the Mets signed Lindor to that extension, every game that Mauricio played shortstop was a waste. And despite all of that, here's a positive connotation. He overcame it all. I mean, he started 55 games at shortstop this season for the AAA Syracuse. 55 games this season. The positive takeaway from this is, is the kids, he's a player, man. He's a player. To have overcome the ineptitude of the Mets to try to squirm around every single which way and to come out right now on top, two for three in his debut offensively, starting second baseman, I mean, you couldn't ask for anything better. You couldn't ask for a better debut. We go out to Brooklyn. Joe, you're up next here on The Fan. Hi, Danielle. What's going on, Joe? 
How you doing? Uh, no, yeah, I was just uh, that was a great uh, debut by Mauricio, 117 miles an hour off the bat last night. I yep. think that was the highest exit velocity for a major league debut ever. Uh, well, um, yeah, since they started tracking it in 2015, yes, yeah, yes, I mean, and, the, and the fastest from a Mets player this season, any Mets player. Oh yeah, no, yeah, he's, he 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 can rake, that's for sure. I think the thing, the reason why they kept him at shortstop, though, honestly, is because I think I fully, I fully believe up until this year he was supposed to be trade bait, and I think they looked at him that the most valuable he looked to other teams is if he could hit a shortstop. I, mean, I think that's the reason why they kept him there, honestly. But my thing with Mauricio is excited as I am for him. I am, I am worried about his defense, no matter where it is in, in the infield. And, you know, you still have to worry about his on-base skills. Because, I mean, up until this year, he had something like a 300 on-base percentage in, the minor league, in his minor league career. I mean, fine, but I mean, first of all, the defense. We'll take that first, of course. On the defense, you're you're going to be concerned because the Mets haven't found a spot for him yet. They still, up to this minute, are, are considering moving him to a corner outfield position, to third base. Yeah. Like, what are they doing? I, like I said, I think they looked at him purely as trade bait up until this year. I really thought that. I really think the Mets looked at him and said to themselves, you know. We are going to be in it this year. This is going to be one of our prime prospects to kind of dangle in front of the teams. And they figured shortstop was the most valuable position to keep him from because those are the positions where teams value offense the most, catcher, center field, and shortstop, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I get it, right? But if you're a shortstop, thanks for the call there, Joe. If you're a shortstop, I mean, I'm a shortstop. You could, they could put you anywhere. But to help the Mets, I mean – I understand the, the line of thought that maybe he was trade bait, but then you could say, hey, look, he could play second base and he could play shortstop and he could play third. But his base, uh, his stolen bases, he stole 20 bases. Um, let's see. He said, he, it said, this, this is his scouting report, by the way, direct scouting report. He says he, he, did, he, did, he did set career highs in homers, extra base hits, and stolen bases during his 123 game stay in the Eastern League. Um, he does have below average speed. All right, fine. I mean, maybe you don't have to have the whole package. You know, maybe you got guys. I mean, Lindor flew around the bases last night. Did you see that? Nimmo could fly around the bases. McNeil, he's an okay kind of runner. I get it. But, I mean, just a complete disservice to the guy. I mean, and in spite of all of that, in spite of all of that, at this level, he learned... What, second base, third base, and left field at this level? Still had a successful debut? I'm behind him, man. Kid's a baller. I'm behind him. Let's go to Mike in Westfield. You're up next on the fan. Yes, hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thanks for making it. Um, uh, first of all, I commiserate with what you uh, said. Uh, I feel sorry for the Yankee fans who did not see uh, last night's first home run by uh, Dominguez. Uh, that was really, really exciting. Yeah. Uh, what I'd like to know is, do you know, does anyone know this whole prime apple thing? Is it proving very profitable or is it bust? I don't know. I have no idea. Um, yeah. If anyone knows that, I'd sure be interested to know how it's going, if they're satisfied uh, with what they've done to the uh, landscape of uh, Yankee broadcasting. And a question... Uh, I, and I have a statement. Uh, and, and, uh, mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so far as this ghost runner here, mm-hmm. uh, in extra innings, I don't know how many people really like it. I, I dislike it. But what I think would be a better solution would be if they would play regular till about, let's say, inning 13 or 14, 
and then go into it because they're desperate uh, to have the game shorter, so on and so forth, and that's what I believe. Yeah, and Mike, I'm going to respectfully disagree there. I do like the the runner on second. I don't need to watch a 13 inning game. I don't need to watch position players pitching like like that. That was a move to get away from all of that. So, um, and I don't want to make this into a whole runner on second sort of conversation here. I really don't because we've had that conversation time and time again. Um, I do like it, and and I guess I come from a softball background, and it's been in softball. Well, I played baseball till I was a freshman in high school, but. Um, it's always been a role in softball. Like, up through high school, I've always played with, with that role. I've always coached with that role. So it's nothing new to me. I like it primarily, mostly, besides of the fact I don't want to see position players pitching and, and all that. I primarily like it because I like to see situational baseball, offensive baseball being played. And it forces you to do that. With a runner already in scoring position, it forces you to play situational baseball, hit the ball to the right side of the field, hit the ball to the outfield, advance the runner, all that kind of stuff. So I, for that reason, I uh, I do like it. Let's go out to Frank in Syosset. What's up, Frank? How are you doing, uh, Danielle? How was your um, vacation? Oh, my trip to, to Tampa. Very good. Thank you. It was very good, very relaxing. Saw some Yankee games, one win, so that was good. Yeah, I spoke to you. Last time I spoke to you was the weekend before you went. I yeah. called into you and um, – and, uh, you agree with me that Judge shouldn't have took that that third strike uh, with yeah. the game on the line. And, uh, yep. Uh, but uh, last night I also I, I don't get to I don't watch the games. I do Uber Eats uh, twelve hours a day, so I listen to John Sterling and mm-hmm. Justin Shackle and uh, Susan Wallman. Mm-hmm. And last night was a happy uh, a happy event. Yeah. Uh, I was, yeah. I thought uh, Dominguez that Susan Wallman complimented his arm. He threw a ball in from the outfield. She said said he had a strong arm. Yes, that's in his scouting report. He has uh, what they say, uh, what, what was the wording? Uh, basically an above average arm strength, yes. Right, and he hit a home run, right? Yeah, he hit a home run. It was the first at bat, home run, left field. Yeah, amazing. Did, I, I didn't miss your monologue. Uh, did you happen to mention the judge's 250th home run? You know what? I, it lost in all that, and that's my bad. I, I didn't yet get a chance to do that. Um, okay, I, I, he, yeah. yeah, it was 250th, and uh, Susan Wallman mentioned he was one of the quickest guys to reach 250 in he his was. career. Yep. I, I wanted to just touch on the Giants with you. Wait, um, one sec. One sec on that on that Judge home run. It was not. It was not a cheap shot. He hit it off. You know the the Houston you know stadium. I minute made whatever it's called. He hit it off the train. It bounced off the freaking train in in the ceiling. That's how that what that's what a monster shot it was. It's just unbelievable what Aaron Judge can do with a baseball. Yeah, right. She mentioned that. You're right. He, he hit the the wheel of the train or something. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I think I, there were a couple of shots to the train last night. Um, uh, it was it was a happy. Uh, what I heard on the broadcast it was, was a happy time. It, it was really was. Time. Yep. Yeah, but uh, I just uh, can I talk to you a second for about the Giants? Sure. I, I keep bringing it up, and I brought it up to you before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danielle, the Giants just can't seem to get out of their own way. This is my main concern. My main concern is not the offense. I understand they're not they're not KC. And I asked you if you felt they were going to beat Philly this year, and you said no. I don't think they're there yet. Mm-hmm. They're they're building. They're in the right in their on the right course, Completely. right direction. Good coaches. Excellent. Um, and I and I I agree with that. I, I see what you're saying. I I know what you're saying. But what what, what gets me? What is so frustrating? Even in preseason. Dexter Lawrence roughing the passer, uh, three offsides in the first preseason game. Yeah. Adari Jackson pass interference. 
Is this what we're going to deal with again this year, Danielle? Why can't <sighs> these guys play a clean game? They, they hurt themselves. The more the defense keeps the other drives on the field, uh, the less the offense is going to be on the field. Yeah, I, I get it. And, Frank, I, I totally understand that, and that's a very valid point. That's a great point by you. Um, it, is, it could be one of two things um, or a combination of both. Um, the officiating crew um, could be new, um, could be getting used to it back in the swing of things. Uh, okay, you don't want to blame it on that. I get it. But you're right. There shouldn't be the, that gray area where the ref is like, should I Should I pull the flag or not? You know, so, uh, yeah, I, I totally get it. And that comes from practice. I mean, that comes from, you know, being punished at practice for making a mistake. And maybe that's not how, and I know Dable, I mean, he's coach of the year last year. I won money on it. I bet on it. I believe in Dable, but but just maybe it has to be a little bit more strict at practice to, to try to negate some of those those things, especially the, 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 the ones that are like non-contact type of, you know, roughing the passer. You can kind of control that or like obviously offsides and encroachment. You can control that. You know, so, yeah, I'm with you. I'm also, by the way, I'm going to have Madeline Burke, uh, you know, Giants team reporter. Madeline Burke, she's going to be with me for an hour on, on Monday. She's stopping by the studio. So uh, I think she's coming at 5 o'clock, 5 to 6. So um, definitely some in-depth, very intelligent Giants talk uh, between uh, her and I uh, on Monday in case you're curious, want to add it to your calendar. Uh, I can't wait. I, I love having her on. But uh, speaking again about the prospects here, if you think about the intersection of opportunity and availability and ability, the most impactful on their team in this order are going to be Dominguez, number one, Wells, number two, Mauricio, number three, and Pereira. Well, I'm Daniel McCartney, and I'm, I'm trading him before it's too late. Call me up, 877-337-6666. <laughs> My name is Danielle McCartan on this, I guess, joyous weekend in a nerdy kind of way. The Mets and the Yankees debuted their shiny new prospects on on the day that rosters were able to expand. Yes, yesterday, last night, uh, you saw Dominguez, you saw Wells, and for the Mets, you saw Mauricio. And uh, it's kind of always fun to put these out there now to see how they age, but out, out of these four players... Which is going to be the most impactful on their team? And we're going to add Pereira into that. So Dominguez, Pereira, Wells, and Mauricio. Um, we're keeping Peraza out. We're obviously keeping Volpe out. We're obviously keeping Alvarez out. Those are no longer considered prospects, everybody, according to the league. So out of Dominguez, Pereira, Wells, and Mauricio, who is going to be the most impactful to their team more immediately? And I'd like to think of it or kind of analyze it as the intersection of opportunity against availability against ability. And I know it's entirely too early. These guys have played one game. The three of them have played one game. But I would do it in this order. Dominguez, one. Wells, two. Mauricio, three. And I'll get to Pereira in a second. Um, I think Dominguez, not I think, I know Dominguez is going to get the most playing time with Bader gone. I mean, the outfield is his oyster. And the Yankees moved him into the same batting practice hitting group as Stanton and Judge. Do you know what, understand what kind of real estate that is? And I'm not sure who got bounced um, from that group because in that group was uh, is Judge, Stanton, Rizzo, and Volpe in, in that group. So I don't know who got bounced, but, but Dominguez was with Stanton and Judge, which shows you how highly the Yankees regard the Martian. Doesn't that sound like a start of a joke? Like the Martian and the judge walk into a bar. No, I know. It's not funny. I'm not, I'm not funny. Whatever. Uh, number two, Wells. Um, I actually see to start next season, 
catcher one being Higashioka and catcher two being Wells. Uh, because you got Higashioka, he's got one more year of arbitration. He's going to be 34 in April. This year, he's just making like $1.4 million this season, and I had to round that up. And pitchers love pitching to him. He's an intellectual guy who can, and I know he will, uh, you know, teach Wells the defensive mental aspect of the game and the pitch calling and sequencing and all that. But a little in-house competition is not bad either. So if Wells can overtake Rortvet offensively over this next month, then a one-two combo of Higashioka and Wells, I mean, sign me up for it. It's just that Rortvet is just a little too light hitting for me. I think he's hitting 112 right now. Small sample size. I get it. All this is. Um, but um, to be paired with the sort of kind of light hitting Higashioka, you know, it's it's a little much. So so uh, that's why. But Wells isn't going to get as much opportunity as Dominguez is. And getting the least opportunity out of all of them is going to be Mauricio. Because the Mets organization seems so surprised by his come up that they don't even have a defensive spot for him to actually settle into. Is it second base? Is it shortstop? Is it third base? Is it left field? Is it DH? Because those are all of the positions that he has played at Triple H, at Triple H, at WWE, that he's played at Triple A Syracuse this season. One, two, three, four, five different positions, four defensive, one obviously only offensive. So. Nobody knows where he's going to be playing, where he's going to stick. So for that reason and that reason alone, he's number three for me. And for both the Mets and the Yankees, uh, I think this is as best as a situation that they can have put themselves into at this point in the season. They both have no chance to make the postseason, although neither are mathematically eliminated just yet. Um, but um, but at this point, you know, they're in evaluation mode. They could sit back. They can evaluate their talent at the major league level. There's no guessing. There's no projecting. And at the same time, they could show the rest of the league what their prospects can do. You know, any potential deals over the winter, you know. But, you know, as of right now, uh, you know, Saturday the 2nd of September, if I am the Yankees, I am trading Everson Pereira for the same reason that I'm trading Beatty and Vientos. You got to get rid of them before it's too late. All three of them. But hey, that's just me, and I know it's a small sample size. Let's see. Let's see what happens. But as of right now, that that's my feeling. Pereira, Beatty, Vientos, trade block. As far as I'm concerned, I'm Daniel McCartan. Anyway, by the way, by the way, with you till uh, six thirty here. So let's go back to the phones. We go to uh, EJ in East Meadow, New York. Uh, let's. Uh, what's up? Yeah. You know. Yes. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, first time with you, south of my man Scones, because he's the greatest. That's um, right. He's, he's, he's giggling behind the, the glass there. Joe B before that, too. <laughs> but So, all right, let, let's break this down for a hot second. I'm a diehard Mets fan. I know you root for, like, both. Uh, well, I, I know you, what. Here's, here's the thing there, EJ. I, I'm an unbiased sports talk host in New York. That's what I am. Oh, okay. My bad. Um, so, the first thing is, he played one game, Mauricio. Mm-hmm. All right? So, this is this, the same argument that now I have after listening to you with Vientos or your, your, your mention of trading Vientos and trading Beatty. They, they, right. The same, like you threw it in as, as, like a, as like a misnomer. Like, you know, the, the, oh, you know they, the sample size is small. Mauricio's sample size is even smaller than both of those. Yeah, but based on the scouting reports, hold on, but based on the scouting reports that I read to go along with that, I think Mauricio is the best of the three. I, I, 
I read all the – listen, they gave scouting reports to Esteban Floria. They give scouting reports to a million a million folks. It depends on what the heck actually happens once you get here. That's fine. So scouting reports don't add on to one game any differently than mm, see, I disagree. four months. I disagree, but – with with then two months with Beatty and two months with with Vientos and that gives you more of a sample. I mean, size. did you see that pop up that Beatty couldn't catch? I mean, this yeah. defensive struggles yeah. on third base with him. I mean, tra- enough. But how is he trade bait? Are you going to wait for him to implode? I mean, they sent him back down to Triple A. What up? The, the, the owner, Uncle Uncle. Steve. I can't stand when uh, grown men Me call neither. him Uncle Steve. Me neither. That's exactly. disgusting. That yeah. was sarcastic. Okay. So Uncle Steve comes out and says the same absolute, uh, the same thing. That basically now we're waiting for for twenty twenty six. I don't. What are we trading? No, he never for? said that. Scherzer whoa, 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 initially said that. Hold on. What are we trading Beatty and 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 uh, Vientos for? For somebody who's going to come in immediately as we trade Pete Alonso also, to do absolutely what? To keep us competitive for two more years? EJ, let me that ask makes you this. absolutely Who's, no sense. Let me ask you this. Putting them on the trade okay. market for what? Uh, okay. For what? You want me to answer the question, EJ? Yeah. Let me ask you this. I'd love for I, I'd, answer, I'd answer your question by asking you this. Who's your yeah. 1A or 1B or even 1 starter or 2 starter next year? Who is it? What? Uh, Who? Uh, Who? 1B would probably be Kodai right now. I don't have a one eight. That's star, who but, you're trading him for. That's a simple. That's, but that's a simple. My point. But the, but what I'm saying is, you're saying automatically put them on the trade market. So if you're saying that, that means that you, just like every other GM in the world, can see, hey, you know what? Maybe those guys aren't really that good. So let's all of a sudden get some sort of a grade A pitcher by trading these two high prospects, supposedly that the Mets can't wait to get rid of, and somehow that's going to give us an A one starter. How uh, long have you been playing the game? Oh, EJ, I don't understand what's wrong with that <laughs> That that philosophy. The... Radio silence. It's not going to happen. Oh, it's no, not going to happen. Sorry, oh, why? Ba- on based on what? No, I don't hang up on people, EJ. Only oh, when they're okay. disrespectful. That's only when I hang no, up no, on no. people. No, no, no. I will never do that. No. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm, I'm passionate. You know, you know what I'm I saying? I get it. And, I get what, it. What I'm trying to say to you is, um, look. I even got over the whole idea. I'm I'm I'm, I'm a different kind of Mets fan, I, and I've been I'm 1979. I'm born, 44 years old, and I'm telling you right now that it doesn't make. I'm not saying that you're not making sense. I'm saying that what doesn't make sense, period, and what you're trying to allude to, which won't make sense, is this idea that all of a sudden we're going to trade prospects who have literally been up here for less than two months. And all of a sudden, Mauricio, this is what this whole conversation started, the whole reason I called. Mauricio, after one day going two for three, you know what? You get paid multi-million dollars a year because guess what? Like any other job, I work in tech. Like any other job, they're going to move you around. You might have to do something differently until you, until you actually make yourself my piazza. So, um, so before that, so before that, then it has to be one of those situations where, you know what? Hey, if they move you around... And and you got yeah, you got to play here, you got to play there, you got to play there. Yeah, but that's what Who they're cares? doing. EJ. He didn't make a diving catch last night. He hit. He hit two for three. Let's see if he goes two for three tonight. Yeah, and then see. two for three tomorrow. And let's and see. Then the next and then day. Vientos and see what he can do. And Beatty, the blunders that he can't figure out third base. I mean, there's so many different things. As of right now, like I said, like I also said, it's entirely too early. But as of right now, those are the moves that I would make. 
Don't hold on to those guys too long. Don't wait for Beatty to implode at third base. Don't let Vientos. What is he hitting? Vientos hitting in like the 100s at the major league level. Let's see. Vientos stats. I know I got a break here. Give me one second. Mark Vientos stats at the major league level right now. He's hitting 198. Three home runs in 131 at-bats. I mean, over his last seven, he's hitting 182. Over his last 15, he's hitting 167. I mean, before he goes down to zero, sell him on the, hey, the upside of him. Hey, the upside of Beatty. Because if you could play shortstop, you could play anywhere. And and this, I believe, I'm, I don't read these stupid blog, you know, scouting. I read Major League Baseball scouting reports on these guys. And of the three, Mauricio's projected to be the best. We'll see if it ends up happening that way. But as of today, the 2nd of September, that's the move I'm making. Moving forward, the rest of the season, that's what the next month is for. Then we can sit again on October 2nd, the last day of the season, regular season, and we can have this conversation again. And maybe I'll, make, I'll change my mind based on what I see. Maybe. 877-337-6666. My name is Danielle McCartan. That is Brian Rescona behind the glass. With you till 6.30 right here on WFAN. Continuing this baseball talk on this, you know, somewhat exciting weekend for baseball here in New York City. And, uh, you know, it'd be a lot more exciting if both either or both teams were in the playoff hunt, in the postseason hunt, but they're not. So next best thing, the prospects. And, um, yes, I was not on last weekend. I just got back. From a trip down to Tampa, Tampa Bay to see my family, um, mostly primarily that that was the reason why. And kind of there's always a sports component to it. And I won't bore you with the other non-sports details. But, you know, we ended up going to two Yankees-Rays games at the Trop, which after having been to 21 stadiums so far, or it might be 22 now with Seattle, um, it is still by far the worst of them all, still. It was like stadium number six or so for me, and now it's still bad. It's just dark. It's so, it's like quiet. It's like you're watching like tennis, like, like I don't know, like a quiet sport. Like if you like clap, like the acoustics are like immediately muffled. Weird phenomenon. I don't know, but um, what was cool was the second game we went to, the Sunday game, uh, they had a kids run the bases after the games, and no, I didn't pretend to be a kid or else... Yeah, imagine going up to the front line. I identify as a child. What would they do to you? I don't know. But uh, my little cousins, they, they got to run around the bases. They're seven and nine, so that was fun. And then we, the adults and the kids, we got to walk out of the outfield gate in, you know, like the padding, like through the padding. But we were actually on the field. Like we were in left field. And I just, you know, took a time to stop, turn around, look up, you know, try to, you know, pretend tracking a baseball, uh, you know, against that, that grayish, whitish, roof there, which is not too easy, by the way. Um, but I don't know. I, I just hate turf. To play on turf, like to, it's just so slick. As a fielder, I would not. As a batter, you love it. But as a fielder, you, you don't like it. But um, it was kind of cool to be out there, even though it's a, it's a dump, basically. But it was fun. Um, and I guess, I don't know, because the second thing is, and then we'll get back to your calls at 877-337-6666. But I guess because he's in Florida... But uh, my, my cousin's a late bloomer to the sport of hockey, and uh, he joined a league. 
and uh, his first game was while I was there, and he really wanted me to go. So I'm glad I did. Uh, but my assignment was he, he wanted me to take good pictures and good videos. So, all right, assignment completed, right? But he, he's going to be 40 this month. And uh, when he asked after the game, he's like, so what'd you think? Um, I said, <laughs> it was a lot slower than I thought it was going to be. And he was like, yeah, well, you know, we're old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was fun. It was fun to see him. Just a fun time around, you know, all around. Got some baseball in, got some hockey in. And uh, he's here now. So uh, we'll be, uh, I don't know, doing some things. Hopefully soon, very soon. But uh, yeah, can't wait to go back to Florida. It was very nice. But I and I did get out before the hurricane. I flew out and flew home right before like the mandatory evacuations came in. So I was lucky. Anyway, eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. And um, you know, for the people that it did hit and the damage that was experienced, and a lot of people around here have family down there. I'm just not the only one. So you know, just um, you know, what what do you say? You know. Speedy recovery. I mean, good luck. What do you say? So I don't mean to be insensitive. It's just, you know, I got out and I got home. But um, to those that are still rebuilding or whatever, you know, it's going to take time, patience, and you'll do it. You can do it. Anyway, 877-337-6666. We go to Tyler out in Long Valley on line one. What's up, Tyler? Hey, Danielle. Hi, Tyler. What's up, Tyler? Long time listeners. Oh, that makes me laugh. I love that, Tyler. Tyler, you met her on the Yankees. I met you on the Yankees, too. I remember. Yeah. All right, so I remember you that day you met me, Garrett Cole, and Aaron Judge. Yeah. Who was the coolest? Yeah. Aaron Judge. Yeah, that's because, the right answer. Because um, I asked him to hit a home run, and um, he had three home runs. That's a, yep, yep. I thought yes. of you, Tyler. I thought of you as soon as he hit that first one. I thought of you because I, I to the listeners, I heard Tyler asking Aaron Judge uh, to hit a home run for him, and Judge was like, well, "What do you say? I'll try. I'll do my best." And the first home run, yep. I was like, "Cool. That that was for Tyler. That was cool." <laughs> yeah, I miss, I miss, I'm gonna miss her. Uh, Harrison. Harrison yeah, I know, Tyler. And thanks for the call there. And I appreciate you following up. Tyler wanted to call into the radio so bad. Um, but Harrison Bader, yeah, he, you know, it was emotional. You saw, you saw the, uh, the, the, the interview that he gave with Meredith. And, you know, it's just, just, you know, a local kid playing for his local team. I'm sure he grew up rooting for the Yankees, you know. So, you know, it, you know it's emotional. But, you know, I think, you know, who knows? He might be back. I hope he's not. I hate to say that. I hope he's not. He's off injured. Let's see what Dominguez can do. I think the Yankees made the right move. The only thing that I wish the Yankees did was try to trade him at the trade deadline. I mean, what were they thinking? They got nothing back for him. There was no way people weren't calling about him. No way. So, uh, yeah. So, Tyler, great to meet you. Yes, and that day, Garrett Cole came over to say hi to him. Um, Aaron Judge came over to say hi to him. And, uh, just, you know, oh, Anthony Volpe uh, as well. So just, you know, class act from the New York Yankees. And Tyler, thanks for calling in. You said you would. You're a man of your word, Tyler. Uh, we go out to, to Lake Mary, Florida. Michael, you're up. Oh, there we go. You're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Great, great. So I got two Yankee points yeah. here. Oh, before I mention that, though, the I was lucky to see 
the the debuts last night. I don't have, and I have Amazon Prime, but I have to pay extra for for the, for the baseball game, and I don't have Apple, but I have MLB Network, and Tuesdays and Fridays they have what's something called Strike Zone. It's kind of like NFL Network's uh, Red Zone. So they'll put they put all the games on live. So lucky I was able to see it that way, but yeah. that's the only way I was able to see that. Yeah. Anyway, um, so two things. One was I was excited about, for the first time in weeks, to watch a Yankee game because of the way the season's been going. Mm-hmm. And I was really happy to see both Dominguez and Wells have great debuts. And, and I'm glad they did it against a quality team, against a Hall of Fame pitcher, in a game that was meaningful to them. So yeah. it wasn't just like, well, it was against you know Oakland's third pitcher and the game meant nothing. And I know it's only one game, but hopefully some promise there to give me some excitement to watch them a little bit more. Right, exactly. And that's the only thing at this point. I mean, what else are you watching for? It's like, I, I, I'll, be, I'll admit it. When I came home from Florida, I wasn't watching the Yankees for a couple of days. I wasn't watching the Mets for a couple of days. What's the point? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up was this week, I don't know if you saw that Hal Steinbrenner was mentioning that they're think- he's thinking thinking about hiring an outside firm mm. to study their analytics. So help me if I understand this. <laughs> they're going to analytically hire to see what they're doing analytically? Yes. Is that what, what I understand? That's what it is, yes. Uh, that's, uh, that's it, exactly, yes. Sterile. That's a uh, sterile, Hal, sterile process. Yeah, Hal, let me give you the pro bono or the free advice. How about, like, you start putting left-handed batters in Yankee Stadium? That would be nice. You know, you had one last year. You didn't re-sign him. You know who we're talking about, mm-hmm. Ben Tenney. And, you know, you finally see, oh, we got left-handed batters here now coming up. Maybe this would be the way to go. Maybe right. not hot, Maybe not sign a pitcher for $160 million bucks that's hurt all the time. Yes. How about that? How about that? Oh, what a concept. Very frustrating. It's, it's almost like he wants somebody to tell him something's wrong when he knows something's wrong. Is that, is, am, am I off base with that? I don't, I don't know. I think he is just so blind trusting in Brian Cashman that he will write a blank check for whatever Brian Cashman wants, and that's part of the problem. Good goodness gracious. But anyway, always a pleasure to talk to you, Daniel. We'll talk some football probably later in the weekend, all right? Yeah, yeah. I'm on for two more days after today. So, yeah, sure, for uh, sure. Yeah, we'll definitely try to catch you there. Okay, all right. Talk to you soon. All, all right. right. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as you know, the, the the game planning for the Yankees, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think. It, I mean, how spends the money? We've talked about that. They have the highest, the second highest payroll in all of baseball. The Yankees spend money. It's just a matter of how they're spending it, and it's it's not it's not spent in the best, most efficient ways. Let's just put it that way, lightly, easily. You know, we got to Sid in Riverdale. What's up, Sid? Hey, Danielle, how are you? Good, how are you? Oh, good. I'm just getting off, you know, your last caller. Um, I, me personally, I really hope that uh, Wells and Dominguez are in the starting lineup for 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, and I'm willing, you know, I don't know how you feel about it, but I, me personally, I've, like I've said before, I've seen the lean years. And even if it takes a couple of years for them to get back to uh, relevancy, I'm willing to let these kids play and see how things how things turn out. I, I agree. I'm really, I, I wasn't optimistic last week and the week before, but after I know it's only a one game sample uh-huh, size, but I, I I this is you know and you know with how you know with with all the analytics thing and and now you know the other thing I. Can you just explain to me, if you can, 
that he's, you know, this deep dive into, is it just for analytics or is it just looking with, with Cashman? Because you bring in an outside company, uh, does that diminish Cashman's role? And where does Brian Sabian and Omar Manaya play into this? Right. Because, um, I don't know. It's it. And thanks for the call. I just had a thought uh, as you were finishing up that questionnaire, that thought may, uh, this is, might sound crazy, right? But it popped into my mind. So I'm going to say it. You know how we always joke that his name is like Brian Cashman Steinbrenner, right? Like it's hyphenated. Like he's part of the family. Like Hal will never get rid of him. Maybe, maybe by hiring an outside company to evaluate what's going on over there, and the outside company then says, hey, you know, Brian Cashman's part of the problem. Let's at, just put it out there. The outside company says, hey, he's part of the problem. Then Hal has the justification to say, hey, Brian, look, you know, here's what came back. Thank you. Maybe he can use that outside company as an excuse. I don't know. I'm just saying that that's the thought that I had because it doesn't really make sense to me why an outside company would be hired to evaluate the inner workings of the Yankees front office. That to me doesn't make sense. Like at school, when they start hiring outside companies to do traffic studies and all this stuff at school, and then you see the results and then nothing gets done from it. It's like, well, wait a second, you know? So I don't know. That's, it's just a strange concept to me that, that an outside company would be brought in to figure out the inner workings of New York Yankees. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. We go to Richard out in Manhattan online too. What's up, Richard? Danielle. Yes. The NFL played on Labor Day weekend from 1983 to 1998. 16 seasons they opened up on Labor Day weekend. If you were a football player right now in the NFL, would you rather, and you didn't play much during preseason. Okay. I'm not asking you about the NFL. I'm not asking you about television. I'm asking you, Danielle. Mm -hmm. You're an NFL football player. Yes. Would you rather open up on Labor Day weekend and have a buy sprink another buy sprinkled in during the regular season? Mm, I personally, personally speaking, I would not, and I'll tell you why. Two reasons. One, uh, one, the weather. I mean, it could be eighty degrees, eighty-five degrees. It depends on where I'm playing. Think about Miami. Think about all those hot weather climates. So I would rather play into the colder temperatures into the winter. That's one. And two, I would, just because you have an extra bye weekend built in doesn't mean you're not like, your switch isn't switched on. You know what I'm saying? Like you're still studying. You're still working out as hard as you would be in the middle of the season. Um, so for me, that kind of just adds an extra, adds an extra to a season that's already now one week longer. So I would say, no, I wouldn't want to open up on Labor Day weekend. You don't think the rest during the regular season Let's say you play six games in a row, and your next buy, your buy is mm -hmm. in the tenth week mm -hmm. or twelfth week. You wouldn't want to rest after a buy after six or seven weeks or five weeks. No, after you haven't played at all. In other words, you're a player, you're a starting player, and you haven't played because you know they don't play, starters usually don't play mm -hmm. during preseason. You've had a lot of rest. Did they need this extra week of rest? Well, my expectation would be I, I would want my bye week in like week. 13 or so because my expectation would be playing in the playoffs. I would want that rest then when I'm like injured and rehabbing and hurting like they all are at that point in time. 
Yeah, yeah, but you can't give everybody their their buy then. But you can add a buy by playing a week earlier. My point is, everyone will get an extra week. Yeah, but but Richard, but the problem is here that that it's not like you have a you're not going on vacation to have an extra buy week. You're still ramped up to the max in in what you're how you're preparing and all the stuff. Like that just adds an extra. It adds more to the season. So, no, I would want to start as late as possible and go as late into the winter as possible now that the season is already expanded by another week on top of that. No, it's just you're not sitting on a beach. You're not going to be sitting on a beach somewhere. You're still preparing. It's like you, you ramp up to take a step back to ramp back up again. Like, no, once I'm in motion, I want to, I want to stay in motion. And I understand you don't get to pick when your buy is, obviously, but if it were me, I'd be looking to have a late season buy. I don't want to get a buy in week three for the same reason. 877-337-6666. We go to Richie in Queens. What's up, Richie? Okay, Richie. Richie, hello. Okay, that's uh, that's not going to work for me, Richie. You want to try calling back and put the radio off? Let's go to Douglas in the Bronx. What's up, Douglas? Danielle, hello. Glad to join you this afternoon. Yeah, what's going on? You're counting down the days to school, right? Oh, we, I went back yesterday. Teachers went back yesterday. Holy smokes. Wow. Yep. We're already there. Oh, boy. Fun oh boy. over. It's it. Done. <laughs> Social life over. Done. Oh, my. Well, but, but uh, as a positive, you'll be on the next uh, two days after today, so I'm happy for that. Um, a uh, response to your previous caller that uh, suggested, uh, Richie from Manhattan, suggested uh, Labor Day for the opening week. Mm-hmm. NFL won't do it. Their ratings are low whenever they did that. That's why they've stopped doing it. You're yeah, the TV guy. But, and Douglas, for anybody that's new to listening, Douglas is the TV guy. You, Douglas knows what he's talking about when it comes to TV yeah. stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Danielle. And, but uh, in response to the rest issue, get this. And this is a discretia T. I'll use the word that <laughs> you suggested to me. Uh, right now, eight teams have multiple short weeks this season, including the New York Jets. Mm. And I'm saying as of now, because NFL approved flex scheduling for Thursday night football. So that number could grow uh, throughout the season. Isn't that a shame? I don't like big, that. Yeah. 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 Bully on whatever rest. It don't matter. Money talks, right? Mm-hmm. So speaking of streaming and Amazon, I tweeted this to you earlier, and I want to reiterate it to the masses. So a caller earlier in your show mentioned, asked if Yankees are being uh, turning a profit with these games on Amazon, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So I just want to say that Yankees and Amazon, they have not put any financial news, nor have they put any ratings for these Yankee games the past two seasons. So uh, usually in the media business, if there's no news, that almost always signifies not good news. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. For a non-baseball point, for example, every NFL game last season had its ratings published, except for one the ESPN Plus Broncos-Jaguars game from London because they probably did that. So they want to cover that up. So, um, However, here's the rub. Amazon is a minority owner in the New York Yankees. So even Yeah, I the, didn't know that. Um, yeah. Maybe I should have, but, but I didn't. The, even if the prime games are operating at a loss, as opposed to if the Yankee games were still on Channel 11, the Yankees are not outsourcing their games to... Channel 11, you know, Channel 11 is a different company. Mm-hmm. Um, their Yes Network is not on different cable systems. It's all in-house. So they're earning 
some money. And then I think they're looking at in, in the long term that this will be the uh, games on that medium. And hate to say, it, right now there's 20 games a season. We may see more uh, as the years go on. So uh, it's, it's all in-house. They're getting money. Uh, and who better to get cash from than the cash cow that's Amazon. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, again, money talks. <laughs> that's the running theme in my call today, right? Yeah. The next, <laughs> the next prime game is September 11th. The Yankees play the Red Sox. I will not be watching that because there's another uh, big game going on, but not in baseball. Bills, Jets. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Sorry. Bills, Jets. Bills, Jets is going to be the preeminent must-watch Event in, in, on, of course, September 11th. Uh, I think one quick note here, and Brian's giving me that you better go to break eyes here. But uh, I feel that the NFL missed the boat big time. Jets and Giants play each other, what, once every, what, four years? Prime time, September 11th, Jets, Giants. Regular season this year. The NFL missed the boat. Sorry. Sorry to say it. That would have been amazing. They got the second choice bills in there, I guess. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm trying. I'm still trying to get to that game. So we'll see what happens. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. My name is Daniel McCartan, and it is time that I address the Pete Alonso trade rumors. The answer is very simple: pay the man, make him a Met for life. Again, eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. is Danielle McCartan hanging with you for another, what, three hours till 6.30? We're just getting started. And can you imagine what, being a person who wants the Mets to trade away the face of their franchise? The power hitter who is one, just one home run shy of back-to-back 40 home run seasons. The first baseman who, as compared to others at his position around the entire league, has the fourth best slugging percentage and the sixth best OPS. The slugger who has hit the third most home runs in the league at this moment, who has the fifth most RBI in the league. The same guy who has a career OPS of 875 and a career OPS plus of 138. Imagine wanting to throw that production away and move on from it. And I'm Daniel McGarden, and I say reward it. The opposite. I am glad that the Mets are starting to explore it now. Mark Feinstein, he talked to a source reported on August 30th, quote, the Mets have had discussions with Alonzo's camp about a potential extension, sources said, but the two sides appear to have differing ideas on the type of contract the 28-year-old should command. The Mets made an offer that, while it certainly wasn't insulting, this is from Mark Feinstein, wasn't... The Mets made an offer that, while it certainly wasn't insulting, wasn't one good enough to convince Alonzo to forgo free agency. But the offseason is a long one. There is no urgency to get something done right now. All that from Mark Feinstein. My takeaways are this. One, the hint at the age indicates there's a discrepancy with the number of years in the deal. And two, wasn't good enough? Good. Think about it in, in house buying terms. If you're the Mets organization, you never want to make your best offer your first offer when you buy a house, right? 
That's the baseline. So my advice, do not wait for the new front office to be assembled. Steve Cohen, I'm talking to you. Pull a house, Steinbrenner. Get the guy on the other end of your own personal cell phone. And, and Steve said on August 2nd, quote, we love Pete as a Met. He's an integral part of the Mets. He's still with us for another year. We hope we work things out. So hopefully we'll get a few shots at the Apple and try to figure out a contract. So, I don't know, to me, and I know we'll have a ton of time over the next couple months to talk about it, but to me, a deal between Alonzo and the Mets will get done. It should get done. There's no reason for it not to get done, despite all the drama surrounding this whole thing. 877-337-6666. We go out to Waterbury, Connecticut. Ray, what's going on? Hi, Danielle. Great show as usual. Thank you. You're right about Pete. They got enough trouble without worrying about filling his spot. Right. Get it signed. You're not going to find a guy that can hit 40 home runs. So get him signed. Exactly. Who's, who's your right. number one pitcher? Your number two pitcher for next year. Right. Come on. That's got to be right. That's got to be the, uh, the center of center of uh, acquisitions this this winter. Right. You know, uh, another thing. I can't wait for the new president of baseball operations mm-hmm. to come here. Hopefully, it's it's David Stearns. And I could see why they fired the farm director and and uh, development uh, player de- uh, development president. Bottom line is they didn't know when to – the best guy down there, they left too long, Ronnie Mauricio, yep. and they promoted the other guys that weren't ready. Yeah, and, and Mauricio, mean, they keep switching the position. They keep pulling their rug out from underneath him and sw- switching his position on him. And they're like, wait a second, the kid's offensively ready, but now he doesn't have a position to play. That's Whose fault is that? Not only that, they took the heart out of the kid. The kid was was crushing it, and they ignored him, and then he got he, – he, he lost, he's lost his focus. Yeah, well, I, I hope that's has been since then regained. I hope. Right. One more thing. Yeah. Let him. I want. I want. Uh, uh, what you call it? Coming in with him, the, the Milwaukee manager, Ola Beltran, running the club. I don't want Buck here next year. No, I, I never wanted Buck here to begin with. Right. The bottom line is he was stubborn. He didn't give the kids a chance to play. That's right. And he and his bullpen selections have been bad. Yeah. He keeps I mean, using Smith in clutch spots, right. even though the season's over. Right, and, you know? and you got, and, and I've been hard on Bucking, and you know I have, and I never wanted him here to begin with. But there's only so much you can do with that bullpen, and I don't mean to laugh, but there's only so many combinations you can go with. There's not a lot of talent out there, honestly. And one more thing: what I remember more, what I'll remember more than anything else, is when he pitched to Vladimir Guerrero. In, oh. a, in a big spot. I know. How do you? I know. I remember that too. You chose to pitch to Guerrero, and he put one down the line. The game ended. That was on the manager. You had the right. guy behind him was hitting like one sixty eight, I think, on the season. Right, BGO. BGO yeah. was on That's deck. Right. What do you? What are you doing flirting with with uh, with uh, Guerrero? Yep. You, you know, I mean, he just last year he had everybody buttoned up. And one more thing, you just thought of. Yeah. And last week. When the whole team forgot there was three outs on a double play ball, they got out of the inning and everybody's on the field standing there. There's three outs. Oh. I can see it happens where one guy forgets. The whole team forgot. Oh, That's wow. got to reflect on on the buck. Has to, has to, absolutely right. And and, and good Thank points you. there. And, and you know what? I I don't think Buck Showalter's long for the job. I you know I hate I hate to say it. I hate to speculate about people and jobs and. Money and, and all that, right? You know, money as related to careers and firings and hirings and all that. But 
especially firings. I never wanted Buckshell Walter here to begin with. Okay. I never wanted him here for reasons you already know. Manager of the year, 101 wins. And I was like, hmm. Hmm. And now here we are. Now here we are. What what did they actually accomplish last postseason? Tell me. And it's been a complete regression ever since then. I mean, it's just these these I mean, you're right. And, and that Guerrero call versus the Biggio call, I remember talking, I was on that day. I remember talking about that. Like, how do you do that? How do you make that decision? So, listen. Um, however, I, I just don't think that the Mets should make an adjudication either way, any which way, until they've got their front office solidified. And that might take a while. But to me, I'm going younger. I'm going, you know, more experienced, not even more experienced, but younger, just fresher, you know, f- more fiery. Like, how many times does a Mets batter have to get plunked in a game and, and the pe- camera cuts immediately to Buck Showalter and he's out there with his hand on his chin and he's just scowling? He's just scowling. I mean, come on. Show some fire. Get out there. Yell at the umpire. Fire up your team. You know what, though? Uh, honestly, it's all too late for that, honestly. So uh, I would have liked to have seen it sooner, though. Uh, I did say that before. Let's go to Bob and Syosset. What's up there, Bob? Danielle, how you been? How you been? Good, good. How are you? Good, good. I'd like to talk about a couple things. I'll mm-hmm. try to, I don't know if I can tie them in or whatever, but I just want to say I think there's still hope for bunting because I was watching the Yankee game. I've seen in games that I've watched recently the bunt work well in about 10, 11 instances. And then the, and Cabrera laid down the bunt. Mm-hmm. I saw that one. Inning, well, now, that yep. was a thing of beauty. Beautiful. Now, now, now the saying can go, they need a bunt, a bloop, and a blast. Yep. Instead of a bloop and a blast. Because you need the odd base guy. You know, yep. and, and listen, even, in, even when they had the shift last year, if the leadoff man would just bunt, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a man on base, I'm sure it's easier to score from first with nobody out than they had a home run. That's right. Okay, so that worked nice. And then another bunting situation Abreu was pitching to Carson Kelly, a very weak hitter for the Tigers, and he tried to lay down two safety squeezes, and Abreu didn't pitch to him. Mm-hmm. And he eventually walked Kelly. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so what do we, now I'm going to get to analytics, but what would analytics say about this? You, pitch to your, you, you don't pitch to the worst hitter who's trying to bunt, and a safety squeeze is a pretty good bet to score that run. And then you're facing two really good hitters that are left-handed, against Abreu, and he strikes them both out. So I thought that was weird. And earlier in the, in the, in the series, McKenzie had a two-and-one count with the bases loaded, and he bunts on a, on a curveball right down the middle. So that's another head-scratcher. Yeah. But anyway, yep. I would like to find more detailed information, especially with the turmoil and the changeover with the Yankees and the Mets, about exactly what analytics does and what – I mean, I could ask a million questions, but – I don't understand what questions it answers, and does it? De- I mean, I'm sure it develops ball. I mean, does it? Is it all encompassing? It develops ball players. It tells you what to do in certain situations. Yeah. It tells you the lineup. It tells you launch. I mean, what exactly kind of monster is this analytics? Yeah, it, it, Bob, it's it's really all of that. It really is. It really is all of that. I mean. You look at um, these pitching labs, like for example, and the pitching labs say, like, hey, you know. Uh, Whoever, so and so, pitcher X. If you move your, you know, your release point on your fastball three inches higher in your delivery and in, in your release point, um, you're going to generate this many more RPMs and, and, and this, you know, 
generate. Oh, this is my alarm to go re-up my parking downstairs before I get a ticket. <laughs> All right, let me snooze that for a second. Then we'll go to break, and I got I to gotta pay my parking. I don't need a ticket today. Um, but uh, so it does that. So, it, you know, it, it, it de- uh, develops the players. It helps them. In that. And I love analytics for that. You know, but when it comes time to, you know, open up the binder and if this is if this scenario, then this. If this scenario, then that. Then, well, then I don't I don't like that too much because it, it, you're not using your eyeballs and your gut. I don't like that. I liked it, the marriage of the both of them, quite frankly. You know, like, oh, the book says to do this, but you know what? He's only at 80 pitches. You know, let me let me keep him in. Or, hey, I know it says to, to pull put the pitcher Y in in relief right now, but you know what? The guy I got out there, I'm going to leave him in one more inning because I, I feel like he's got it. Like, all those kinds of things. I, I wish that wh- whatever manager comes in next here is is a little bit more that way. You know? But maybe it's just me. I don't know. Maybe I'm an old-school dinosaur. I don't know. But, uh, all right, let me let me re-up this parking before there's a, a police officer standing outside my car ready, ready to write the ticket for 3.42 p.m. on this Saturday. My name is Danielle McCart, and my question to you is, whoever wants to dump Pete Alonzo, who else are you going to bring in? Who else is going to give you what he has and what he can continue to give you? 877-337-6666. back to the fam. My name is Danielle McCartan, and uh, it's been a mishmash of things today, which is always great. And, you know, this this Pete Alonso stuff has been percolating all week long. And, and to the fan who no longer wants him on, on the Mets for some strange reason, you know, nice to meet you. I'm Danielle McCartan, and, and I run an unbiased, solution-based sports talk show here in New York. So if you don't want him on the team, and you want to call me up and tell me that. My question back to you is going to be, who are you going to bring in to replace his production? Because I'm all ears. What are your options? Number, option one, you can look internally. Okay. So I did. The only player even listed as a first baseman, first baseman in the Mets pipeline, Ryan Clifford. And he's listed as both an outfielder and a first baseman. Oh, and by the way, MLB Pipeline, which is pretty much always on target, Clifford is not even due till 2026. You won't even know what tools this kid has at the major le- major league level until 2026. Okay, option two. So that, that's not a great option. Option two, you look at next year's UFAs, unrestricted free agents. Every one of them is over 30 years old. This is for first base. And, and, the best, in my opinion, Reese Hoskins, who sat out this entire season after tearing his ACL. So, pass, right? And then maybe you got C.J. Crone for a much cheaper price tag than Pete Alonzo. But can he handle New York like Pete can? And I thought Steve Cohen's Mets didn't care about price tags and budgets. But maybe that's my misunderstanding, right? Option three, you look at the trade market. And... This part is tricky because you... Oh, I re-upped the parking. Stop the alarm. Sorry about that. I did it. Sorry. I forgot to turn off the alarm. But um, you really just never know who's going to be available unless you're in those meetings, especially in the winter, the winter meetings. And it's only September. There's no way really right now to know who might be available and on the trade market. And as far as the Mets were 
shopping Alonzo at this year's trade deadline? Well, Ken Rosendahl wrote this. He wrote, quote, A Mets official disputed the characterization that a deal with the Brewers was within reach, saying the conversations never accelerated that to that level. Other teams, including the Cubs, also spoke to the Mets about Alonzo. But from the Mets' perspective, no deal was ever close. That from Ken Rosenthal. And then you had what Pete Alonzo said about it. He said, Epler has to answer the phone. It's not personal. Which tells me that teams were calling about him, not the other way around. And not to mention, you also need veteran leadership on a team of such of young players. And you know this because you've listened to my show, but I have never questioned Pete Alonzo's leadership. I have never questioned Pete Alonzo's character. And I trust him to be that guy, that clubhouse leader. Some other guys, I don't. But Pete, I do. So when all of this drama started, there was a caller that asked my thoughts on it. And you remember what I said? I said, I don't know, man, but I find it hard to believe that people are questioning the character of a guy in Pete Alonso who runs baseball camps for kids that I have been to, who has or- and watched his interaction with these kids. Some of these guys just put their name on a camp and slap their name on a camp, take a p- couple pictures here and there, so it all goes on social media, and then they get in the car and then they leave. Okay, I've seen it. I've been there. Pete Alonso spent, what was it, almost three, was it four hours, interacting with every kid in, in that camp that I was at. Stayed the entire time, before and after. And then I, I said, too, like, like, this is a guy who got shoe sizes from every guy in that clubhouse and ordered them all personalized 9-11 cleats. Like, that, that's a rallier of men. And here we are. The Mets cannot afford to let Pete Alonso get away. Kevin in Camden is up next here on The Fan. What's up, Coach? How are you? Good. How are you, Kevin? I'm good. Um, what's up with the Mets? Um, I'm loving Mauricio's debut, man. Yes. He just, we called it We called it for months, and the guy did not disappoint. I mean, the hardest hit ball, I mean, it's, it's like it, it, all year by a Met was by him. I mean, it's you can't make this stuff up. The kid should have been up here a while ago. But I, I tell you what, I heard Buck show up his pregame comments yesterday. We'll see where it goes from here after one day. Play the kid. There's no reason, and I'm gonna. I'm harping on this again. There's no reason Vogelback should be at the end. Yes. Sit the kid. Sit the guy down. Yeah. He's gonna be gone anyway. Yep. So put. I don't care who you put at the DH, but you gotta put Mauricio in there. Yeah. Two hits. The guy deserves to play for the rest of the season. I don't care. You put McNeil on the age. I don't care what you do. But Vogelback has to go make a spot for that kid. I know, Kevin. And you know what? I could have said this. I probably should have tweeted it before the lineup came out. As soon as they announced Mauricio was going to be brought up, guess what? I, 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 I should have tweeted. Guaranteed he bats ninth. What is hey. it about the, the hierarchy of this batting order of Buck Showalter where the older guys bat first and the younger guys bat last? I don't understand it. I, I don't understand it too, man. I'm going to come on this Alonzo thing. If, if, that, if they even do it, if they do it, which I hope they, they better not, but if they do, I'm going to be permanently estranged from the Mets. If they do what? They trade like him? If they, tra- if they trade him, I'll be permanently estranged. I, I mean, who? Like you said, who are you going to bring in? Reese Hoskins? It will be almost to the level, almost, because Seaver is a Hall of Famer. 
So it'd be that that level. You won't forget it if that happens. Yeah. Well, you're, it's your homegrown guy. He came up through your minor leagues, exactly. and you know, and 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 uh, yeah, I, I'm. T- and he wants to play here. That's the thing. That's, the, that's the, and he, and you see how he interacts with kids. Like yeah. it, he's made. He wants to be here. He's made this. T- I mean, you can't get any better. He's but proved about- that he can play here as well. You know, you've seen Sonny mm-hmm. Gray, all these guys that come here, Frankie Montas, and can't handle it. Yep, no, I mean that's why he needs do whatever do whatever needs to be done. But if it if it does happen, I'm not gonna. I will be a strength from the team. But real quick about this uh, Dominguez, wow! First at first swing, the guy hit the home run. I was watching the game last night. I was like, <laughs> he did not just hit a home run. He did not. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me! Yeah. And the sound is going nuts. And I was like, this kid, wow! The margin is landed. <laughs> I screamed it, and I was like, that is freaking awesome. The Martian and, has landed in Space City, I Houston. Loved it. And no offense to Ryan, but I loved it. I was like, this is perfect. The kid, the future is not. They should have brought him up a while ago. But still, I love this future. They better keep this going. So We'll, we'll see. And Yankees' future are bright, and I'm loving what I'm seeing. Uh, me too, Kevin. I, I also am loving what I'm seeing, and they obviously need to keep the kids in the lineup. And as I look to, to today, the Mets are... Again, against Seattle, of course. David Peterson's on the mound. Let's take a look. Ronnie Mauricio, batting ninth. <laughs> oh, you got Brandon Nimmo leading off. Francisco Lindor second. McNeil third. Alonzo cleaning up. And then, oh, nice protection for him. And Daniel Vogelback batting fifth tonight, followed by DJ Stewart sixth. Mark Vientos seventh. Omar Narvaez eighth. And good old number nine, Ronnie Mauricio. Like, Find someone who loves you like Buck Showalter loves Daniel Vogelback. That I mean, that's that's your mission in life. What is the attachment to, to Daniel Vogelback? Oh, uh, I can't. I I don't know. Guy's still in the lineup. He's batting fifth. He's the DH. I don't understand. I, I actually thought Mauricio was going to be benched today. I really did think that. Good thing he's not. I can't. Fogel back. I can't. Just just go away. Just go away. All right. We go to Gary in Clearwater Beach. What's up, Gary? How are you doing today? Oh, man. I'm exasperated. That just, I can't believe it. Why is Fogel back still in the lineup? That's because Buck is a player coach, and you know he's not going to disrespect any player, and he's going to use everybody that he can. So ridiculous! Um, Play to kids. That's what that's you know, what this the rest of this season's about. Playing to kids. That's right. Well, you know, and I'm a Yankee fan. I I enjoyed watching the kids come up last night. Mm-hmm. But you know, I want to comment on on your comment about uh, trading Pereira. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a star in the making right now. You know, I, I've watched him play. I've watched him play in the minor leagues. I watched him uh, play up here so far, and the hitting will come around. Um, he he's got a great bat. Um, you, he tore it up in the minor leagues. So I believe he can make this transition. And one of the things that I saw last night. I think he's an excellent, excellent fielder, too. I watched him go into the corner and dig yeah, out a ball. that was a great catch. Yes. And, and that was a great catch. Yep. And you know what? No to fear. Be unafraid, yep. Yep, to be unafraid in the major leagues like that, I think uh, – I, and I, I watched his strength. I watched his hand-eye coordination. I saw him hit that home run that he hit, and that was no cheap shot. Yep. 
And uh, listen, I would love to be know, wrong about guys, it. Listen, I, I would love to be wrong about it. I hope he plays left field for the Yankees for King, till Kingdom Come. You know. I have a feeling that he's going to be because you know what you know. In getting back to the things that you say, if not him, then who? Okay, we don't have anybody. We have Spencer Jones coming up, okay, in mm-hmm. in the minor leagues, and he's he's at least a year or two away. And we've already gone through the the Billy McKinney's and all that, and you know they held they held their own. On a 500 team. Sure. Okay. The thing is, so and I agree, looking- and, and it was a revolving door. I think there were like now 13 different guys that started left field for the Yankees this year, but I think the answer is Cody Bellinger. I don't think they're going to spend the money on Cody Bellinger right now. Uh, I think that they're licking their wounds from all the bad deals that they made and all could the be. money that they blew. Could be. You know, yeah. and you could you could just you could see this coming. You you could, and I I still think Cashman is going to be in. But don't remember, don't forget, he's got he's got a stable of GMs in that office. Um, that yeah. he could turn to, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think you know I think. It started at the beginning of the year where they brought these guys in. I think that they were getting dissatisfied with uh, with analytics and uh, and brought in a couple of old school uh, GMs that could that could help balance things out. And yeah, I but they, they were here at the see... beginning of the season, though, Gary. And that's a good call. But they they were here at the beginning of the season, and I didn't see much of a change. Quite honestly, I didn't. And, and listen, I would love to be wrong about Pereira. I would. I would. I, I hope he plays left field for the Yankees and they could use that money elsewhere for, you know, an actual starting pitcher or, or you know, whatever. Whatever they need. A third baseman, you know, but, I mean, that catch was a great catch. I wrote that in my notes. No fear. Going down the line on a pop-up foul ball that was about four feet of territory in order to make that catch, and he did it. And he showed no fear, and that was great. Really great. And I was I was sitting at that at Tampa I was like, man, I hope I hope he hits one. His first home run ball. I hope I can catch it. We were in the outfield, left field. He didn't, of course. That would have been great. But uh, yeah, I mean, I hope I'm wrong. We'll see. That's what the next month. That's that's the beauty of the next month of baseball, to watch, and to see. And you're Neil McCartan. Uh, quick break here. We've got a Manuel Barbari update. And I'll be back with you right at the top of the 4 p.m. hour here on the. Welcome back to the fam. My name is Daniel McCartan with until 6.30. I have the Yankee pregame up on this beautiful Saturday, this 79-degree uh, low-humidity Saturday. Uh, these are the kind of days that you're like, man, it's great to be alive. I love life. You know, the little breeze coming in through the window as I was working this morning. Loved it. Um, Brian Rascona is taking your calls at 877-337-6666. And he and I, he'll be back tomorrow, and he and I were talking about how tomorrow, Sunday... I am going to be going to my very first Bruce Springsteen concert. I know, I know, don't roll your eyes at me. And truth be told, I mean, I've always been a Bon Jovi girl, and I've seen him many, many times. Namely, most notably, probably, the opening concert at the Prudential Center, opening concert at MetLife Stadium, even on stage with him at Madison Square Garden, but... I feel like I've got to settle this debate once and for all, Bon Jovi or Bruce. Or is that only a Jersey thing? I don't know. I am also fully aware that I'm going to probably be one of the youngest people in the crowd. And okay, I'm going to embrace it. But Bruce Springsteen's going to turn 74 later this month. And how much 
real touring does he have left, you know? And not a knock, because I could not put on a three-hour show at his age. But, I don't know, I, I just want to make sure I can say I saw him. I don't want to say in his prime, but I saw him. I saw Bruce Springsteen play in Jersey. Right? That's where the most juice is, right? In Jersey, your home state. So, um... So Monday, when I'm back on Monday, I will have a, a comparison for you. Is it Bon Jovi or is it Bruce? I'll keep you posted. Anyway, 877-337-6666. In the order that you called, Cobra in Linden, New Jersey is up. What's going on? Hey, how are you? Um, I just wanted to say how refreshing it was to watch a Yankee game again. Right. For guys that were actually trying. Yep. You know? Totally agree with you. I agree, you know, these guys here, hey, it was nice to watch. And let me tell you, I'm a diehard Yankee fan, but it was really hard to watch the Yankees for the last six weeks. Yep. I, I, to- I, mean, I totally understand you. I mean, it was really hard. If it wasn't for Volpe and Judge, I, I'd probably turn the team off. Yeah, and the Cole. The game's off. You know? And Cole. And Cole, yeah. Cole's definitely, definitely. And um, Torres came around a little, but the way he played the other day, just throw a game away. It, it's really hard to watch this at times, you know. You know, and 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 I was there in Tampa when when he just the the ball was literally a centimeter over his glove, and he didn't have a beat on it, and, and the run scored, and it was like, all right, dude, like, come on, I remember you know? That. Yes, yes, yes. It's like I it's do like remember the that. up and down of the effort is what I don't like about him. That's what I don't like. And something that's totally a turnoff on the Yankees is these veterans aren't playing the veteran ball. They're jogging the first base like they don't care. Ground ball, it's like an automatic out. I Nobody mean, that, that started with, remember when Stanton rounded third base on a bad send? I, I I still stand by that, but it was a bad send. He got tagged out at home plate by a mile. Like, come on, what yeah. are we doing here? I know, and, you know, you got to feel bad for the fans that are there watching this. I, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> really, it's horrible. I know. Yeah, I'm a, I, I, have, I have eight kids and everything. I'm not going to spend three, $350 to go to a game oh, hell no. to watch a bunch of guys playing like they, they don't belong on the field anymore. At least the TV, you, know? you could turn it off. Exactly. <laughs> but you know what? Being a diehard, we don't. And that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, yesterday was nice to watch him beat Verlander, first of all. Yep. And all these kids are hitting. You got people trying again. They're hustling the first base. Uh, and as soon as I see him hustling the first base, uh, you're looking at Derek G, to, you know, the way he used to hustle all yep, the time. Yep. It was just great. You know, Anthony Volpe is my probably our favorite player, my kid, you know, mm-hmm. from being on the Patriots. They got pictures, autographs from him. Yep. So, you know, a diehard. You know, and we, here we are watching. You don't have to pitch the judge before yesterday. Now, all these kids here, every one of them is a select. Yep. It's good. It's great to see. Yeah, it, it was exciting. And, and, and Cobra, thanks for the call there. And eight kids, God bless you and your wife, man. But uh, yeah, it was exciting to see. And it was the first, like I said, in the open hours ago now. It was the first game I was really excited about to watch this this Yankees team in a long time. In a long time. Probably since the lead up to and the, immediately after the trade deadline. Like I made sure I was sitting down, loaded up with the app to watch it. First pitch, locked in. For the Mets, too. And for the Mets. The same exact sentiment for the Mets with Mauricio now. The same exact. I had a nice setup going last night. I loved it. Uh, we go up to uh, Jamaica, Queens. We got Philip up on the fan. What's up, Philip? Hello, thank you uh, for taking my call. Hey, thanks for making it. And enjoy the boss tomorrow. He's great. I never saw him. I saw Elton John, but I've always wanted to see the boss. He's really good. Tomorrow's your chance. Anyway, I want to talk about the Yankees, and uh, 
I know, uh, don't kill me for this, but the only, I think the Yankees have to get younger. And the only way to get younger and more athletic is you have to trade. And to me, the two best players to trade is Judge and Cole. That will get you the most prospects. Back. Not going to happen. I'm not going to kill you. Trade, I'm not going to kill you because I told you I wouldn't, but that's never going to happen. <laughs> well, I'm thinking of trading Cole and you get good young bets. You get my point, but that's the only way to get a lot of good young prospects. I understand. Perfect, sure. And the, the perfect trading partner, frankly, would be the Mets because they have a lot of good, like, like Beattie and maybe Stewart. You're, wait a second. Philip, you're trading. Are you trading Garrett Cole for Brett Beatty and DJ Stewart? Well, they'll have to include, include more, of course. But my point is they have the I good can't. young players that uh. the Yankees need. And then no. they could sign a free agent like Nola or Snell from the Padres. Uh, no, I, I'm not trading Garrett. Philip, thank you for the call. I'm not trading Garrett Cole for DJ Stewart and Brett Beatty and more. <laughs> I'm just not. Yankees have a better farm system than the Mets. Mets farm system as hyped up as everyone wants to make it around here. When I did the research, there were three. There were three prospects in the Mets in, in the top hundred. After the trade deadline, there were two on the Mets in the top 100. The Mets, and they're not good. I'm not trading. And and Garrett and, and, and Aaron Judge, I'm not going to sign him to trade him, right? Off base, Philip. I'm sorry. You're a great caller. You, you're a loyal caller, but that was extremely off base. Sorry. Seth in Scottsdale, Arizona. What's going on, Seth? Danielle, sometimes there are hard acts to follow. That was not one. (laughs) So you're telling me you're not trading Garrett Cole for DJ Stewart and Brett Beatty? Is that true? Uh, Danielle, this is my first time calling you. I want to compliment you before I get to my yes to answer that question. (laughs) I think you do a a really great job of preparing and researching before your show. Yeah, thank you. And I just want to acknowledge that I recognize that as a person who listens to the fan every day. Thank you. I work hard at that. It's Um, it's a lot of hours spent in front of a computer screen. I know. Thank you. I know. So a couple of various points if I can get to on the Yankees, and I'll be as quick as possible. Yeah, you got it. We talked, or you, you talked a little bit ago, about an hour or so, about Bader and why didn't we try to trade him on the, at the deadline. Yeah. If you recall, and I believe I remember this correctly, they sat Bader the day of the treadline, of the deadline. I, yeah, I, let me, they, I can I, look that up. Let's see. Uh, just to be I'm, sure, because I'm I think you're sure right. They did. Yeah. And ask Boone about it, and he's going to give you the, you know, the typical, yeah. oh, yeah, it was a planned day off. Yeah, yeah. The, rest day. the politician so maybe, answer. Maybe we did. Yeah, exactly. Now, on that same note, with regards to putting him on waivers, how come they didn't put, and I haven't had anybody ask this question all week, how come they didn't also put IKF on waivers? He's making the same $5 million a year that Bader was. Yeah, I I don't know because I think maybe the the question mark, I don't know, but I think the question mark would have been, all right, well then who who plays third base? And maybe it's Peraza. Well, thank you. And then you also have Oswaldo Cabrera, which leads me yeah. to the other point. Yeah, so, so I, I don't know. That's it, a good it, question. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's interesting because he's not coming back. I mean, I'd rather have Cabrera play that ultimate you know, utility role next year. Mm-hmm. So we have six guys on our team. I'm a very positive Yankee fan. I'm a Cashman fan. I'm a, I'm a uh, Boone fan. And one thing I look at when the team's not doing well is, okay, what's our future look like? And if you look at what we are committed to in terms of a team future payroll, it's very positive, meaning there's a lot of money coming off the cap. Between Donaldson, Bader, IKF, Frankie Montas, and Severino, that's $60 million that we're not yes. committed to next Correct. year. Yep. We, have six, we have six big guys who we are, and they're not going anywhere. Our two right fielders and DHs, Judge and Stanton, our two pitchers, Radon and, and uh, Cole, mm-hmm. and then our two first basemen, in essence, Rizzo and DJ. Mm-hmm. Flavor's up in the air. 
I'm not going to say one way or the other. I haven't decided what I want to do with that. Mm-hmm. But then with all of the youth, like think about not just the five guys you played yesterday and then you throw Cabrera in there. You throw in, you know, you, you know um, what was I going to say? So you have, all, you have all that youth available. Mm-hmm. You have all that money coming off the cap. Mm-hmm. You have King and you have Schmidt potentially as back-end guys. Mm-hmm. Really, if you go get a great third pitcher, and to me the only free agent that makes a lot of sense for this team, you put him in left field and he fits all, checks all the boxes and a caller mentioned is Cody Bellinger. Oh, no, I mentioned it. He, he, yeah, I said he would, he would yeah. check all the boxes. Correct. Yep. If you, you put him in left, you got yep. the Martian in center, judge in right, and then you go around the infield. Yep. Um, and what's, fu- what's funny, Danielle, as a Yankee fan, is I actually work with Cody's sister out here in Scottsdale. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm in her ear daily about next year. <laughs> That's great. Keep, <laughs> keep pumping it up. Keep pumping it up. Not all Yankee fans are bad. I'm, I'm Not sure. all of them boo. Hey, Danielle, I feel bad for Sterling. He wasn't there yesterday for I know. his first call. What do you think it's going to be? You but know what? There's so many ways to go with that, right? I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and Seth, thanks for the call. I, I hope you call me tomorrow, and I hope you call me Monday as well. And, and get I'm, in. I'm going to call you on Monday. I have time, and, and, I, and I look forward to talking to you more. All right, cool, Seth. Thank you very much. And, and get in uh, Bellinger's sister's ear. That's for sure. Keep telling her that the Yankees are a destination, and he's a perfect fit, because he is. Um, but the call, I know, I did think about that, and I was like, oh, and, and, and it's, you know, it's no, I love Justin Shackle. You know, I, he's, he's great. But John Sterling for home run number one, there's going to be more. But I, it's got to be something along the lines of like, you know, um, the Martian has landed or, you know, to, to hit the ball to Mars or, or something like that. It's got to be some sort of play on, on the, the nickname, the Martian and, and space and, and Earth, something like that. I'm not I'm not creative on the spot like that, so of course I'd have to plan it out. But I'd go in that direction, like the Martian has landed, or I don't know, I don't know, another I, I don't I don't even know, but something like that, <laughs> I guess that's what I would do. Uh, all right, we can do we can do. Let's go to Sparky in Dobbs Ferry. What's up, Sparky? You're on the fan. First of all, Coach, I hope you have another great year in school. Thank you, thank you. And uh, now, as far as Alonzo goes, I. I'm like shaking my head because the way he's going, Coach, he looks like he's well on his way to being the best position player the Mets have ever had. Mm -hmm. Okay. And another thing, he is the Mets carbon copy version of Aaron Judge. He does everything right on the field, Mm -hmm. produces all the time. The fans love him. He loves the fans. And he's great with the media. Yes, I mean, why? I mean, why would you trade a guy like that? I, I, I don't know. I have no idea. You know, I'm like shaking my head on that. And now, the thing you mentioned before about an outside firm coming in to analyze, analyze the analytics. Mm-hmm. You know what that? That makes the Yankees 100 percent the laughing stock of baseball. Because you know what Steinbrenner is basically saying, Mr. Hallett is, I don't know anything about baseball. Well, I mean, kind of, right? Isn't isn't that like I said before? Like, listen, Hal's a good. He is a good owner. He he will jockey up the money. He he will do it. And that's you know that's not propaganda, or whatever. He will do it. It's just the guy giving out the money. You know who who gets it handed to him to give out is not doing the best job in, in allocating the funds. So I, mean, I, I don't know. Rodon, I mean, think of that one a minute. I mean, the guy has a history of injuries, so I give him one hundred sixty million. What the heck? 
I know. That, to me, I was like, you heard, you know, you call a lot. And before, I was like, don't do it, don't. Because, okay, it's one thing if the guy has an ankle injury, right? It's an ankle throughout his career. But this guy, Carlos Rodon, it's always something else. It's always something different. And and that is a big red flag. And yet, the Yankees are like, nope, we're good with it. He passed all our medicals. Come that's, on. No, that's, that's like absolutely mind-boggling. And now, and now with Bader... I'm just thinking about this now. You think they wish they had Montgomery back? Uh, yes. Uh, oh, yes. Because that thing with Bader kind of stunned me altogether. I never heard of a team trading for a guy who's publicly known that he's wearing a walking boot. Mm-hmm. I never heard of anything like that. Listen, Bader's a good player. He's just too injured too often for my liking. And Jordan Montgomery, by the way, I think the Yankees should take a good hard look at him. For for the he's an unrestricted free agent. Thanks for the call there, Sparky. He's an unrestricted free agent at the end of this regular season. I'd take a good hard look at bringing Jordan Montgomery back because this Yankees rotation, as good as it was hyped to be at the beginning of this season, as not from me, but was not nearly as good as you'd hope for it to have been. It, it was a complete disaster in 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 layman's terms, a complete disaster. So you got to rebuild that a little bit. I think Blake Snell would be a great fit. I'd look at Jordan Montgomery. I'd also be interested because uh, Seth from Scottsdale was correct in saying there's about sixty million dollars left. Okay, well, let's not see if we can go get ourselves, if I'm the Yankees thinking this is my thought process. Let's not see if we can get ourselves a good old-fashioned closer. Hmm? How about that? Make you know, make Holmes the the setup guy, and everybody else goes down a peg. I love that idea. I don't like the idea of playing the matchups and this and that. I don't like that. If you got a guy that you can get that that can close a game, like the Mets have Edwin Diaz had, I guess not this year, but you know what I mean. A good old old school traditional closer, then. I don't know. That that's that would be on my wish list as well as Cody Bellinger. And talking about some some moves here for the Mets, for the Yankees, and what what they could, direction they could possibly go in. There's another layer to this too, because if if I'm Pete Alonso and I'm looking for a new deal, I cannot be happy seeing essentially 88 million dollars going out the door in exchange for three prospects. I'm Daniel McCartan, and let's look at it from what we can surmise his perspective might be at the negotiation table. And uh, I'm not believing the reports. 877-337-6666. Welcome back to The Fan. My name is Danielle McCartan, and I'm not buying into the hype around this Pete Alonso thing. And, and uh, But I will tell you, I will tell you what he might be annoyed about. You know, Steve Cohen couldn't buy himself a championship, so he he bought himself a crapshoot of minor league prospects instead. And, in fact, on just three of those prospects, the ones I'm counting in the Scherzer and the Verlander trades, Steve Cohen spent essentially $188 million on a bunch of kids that may or may not even see big league action and may or may not even pan out if they do. So where does that leave Pete Alonso and his contract and financial future with the Mets? 
Well, let's let's put this into perspective. He has, after this season, one more year of arbitration before he is allowed to hit the open market. So he's got he has through the end of the 2024 season. And if I'm Pete Alonso, I, Daniel McCartan, am going to be paying very close attention to what transpires over the next couple months. Because that's going to tell me and, and determine to me how much Steve Cohen and his checkbook value me if I'm Pete Alonso. Because A, if I were him, I, I watched new deals extended to many of my teammates this last offseason. Brandon Nimmo got eight years, $162 million. Jeff McNeil got eight, four years uh, with a club option for the fifth at $50 million. And, and Edwin Diaz got five years, $102 million. So, if I'm Pete Alonso, I, I was also here to watch Lindor get the largest contract extension in Mets history, 10 years, $341 million. And I also watched the Mets bring in and send out Max Scherzer and, and Justin Verlander to the tune of tens of millions of dollars. And B, if I'm Pete Alonso, I saw Steve Cohen essentially just buy three prospects for $88 million in those sendouts. And C... I would like to know, if I repeat Alonzo, do the Mets settle with me in the offseason outside of sitting in front of the arbitrator? I, I know they did this in, at the very least, by the way. And they did it the last offseason. They did. They agreed to a one-year, $14.5 million you know, contract without going in front of the arbitrator. Fine. But to me, if I repeat Alonzo, that would be the least they can do. That would signal that they, you know, like me. Because as we all know, once it gets in front of an arbitrator, the team presents all the reasons why you know we, we he's not worthy of the money, and, and it's just not good for anybody, right? But for Steve Cohen and the Mets to signal that they really value me, Pete Alonso, and don't want to put me in the position to have to hit the open market, they're going to open extension talks as soon as humanly possible, which can be, according to the league rules, already, which they've approached him. Because Mark Feinstein wrote, the Mets made an offer that, while it certainly wasn't insulting, wasn't one good enough to convince him to forego free agency. And I can't imagine he's too happy after all that that I just mentioned. So the way the Mets approach and handle Alonzo now, into the offseason, into the winter, is going to dictate whether or not he decides to stay here long-term or go. And if I'm him... And I'm called into an arbitration meeting with the team after what, uh, what the money that I watch fly out of the door for the past two seasons. The first chance I get, I'm out of here. And you can't blame them. 877-337-6666 is the phone number to call. We're going to, uh, let's go to Richie out in Queens. What's up, Richie? Danielle, how are you? Great, how are you? Good. Um, always good talking to you. Um, Likewise. You mentioned a couple of things. The beta deal, obviously, is a disaster. Mm-hmm. How they didn't trade him to get some value. And when you look at the Montgomery deal, everybody said, well, Montgomery couldn't pitch here. Well, he had a 3-6 ERA. Yeah, he was all right. He was a vi- What's that? He was all right. Yeah, he was all right. And and, and, and it turned out to be a, a valuable asset for yep. other teams. And mm-hmm. and when you look, going back to 2019, we're talking prospects. And that's all we could talk about now because right. we discussed this about a month ago. The year has been catastrophic for both teams. How the venue, how it's changed dramatically with the, with win now with the Mets, with the Verlanders and the Scherzers mm-hmm. and the veterans that they have. And all of a sudden, maybe they'll buy next year, which I think they will. I think he will lie in the weeds and he will 
make attempt to get some top players. Yeah, I agree. And now obviously the Yankees kind of stepping back to where not making the playoffs. And that's one of the biggest reasons I think that Mr. Boone will be gone because it's always been, hey, we made the playoffs. Stop picking, you know, stop yeah. picking on us. Yep. But yeah, these, these prospects look good. But when you go back to 219, you see Sanchez and Andrew and Bird and Torres. And it's great because if you get two of them, and you see what you see what happened to Baltimore. Baltimore's been on the bottom for so long mm-hmm. that all their their prospects have really, really come along. So you hope for that. But if you can get a Dominguez to be or a Mauricio to be what they're saying, and you get two out of ten, two out of fifteen, you're really doing well. Yeah. So, and and the other thing too, real quick, you know the hype, and I, I go back sixty years, Daniel. You know, the hype for the football teams this year. I can't remember it being this high. Obviously, been they've been so bad, both teams, for yeah. years. Yeah, could be and, a byproduct and, you know, of that. Yeah, that's a big part of it, you know. And, and, and when you look at, obviously, you know, what people expect that the Yankees and Mets are doing, I don't want to put them in the same category. Mm-hmm. But, the you know, the Giants getting what they have with their receivers and giving weapons to DJ, to Daniel Jones. Right. And obviously getting Rodgers, you know, because if they had a quarterback last year, they would have had four more wins. The only thing with the Jets I am concerned with, I am not overly hyped with their receivers. Wilson's great. Hardman's a step down. He was a decent receiver for KC. Cobb and Lazard have seen their better days. So, you know, when you look at the giant receivers, I think this Hyatt's a a stud. stud, Obviously, Paris Campbell. uh, And and if Wallace can go back to where he is. So, and but defensively, I think that they're very deep. The Jets. Oh yeah. I think the Giants have gotten better. The schedule is going to be difficult. I go to one game a year. Mm-hmm. I just got my game against the Commanders. All right. Because there's not too many one card games, Daniel. Both of these teams are in prime games. Yeah, you know, they're I playing know. Sundays, Mondays, that. or whatever. I hate that. But yeah, it's 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 sitting. I'm sitting on my deck. I'm getting a little touch of fall. I'm a big San Francisco Giants fan. If you would have told me in the beginning of the year that my team would be fighting for a wild card and the Jet and the, and the, uh, the Yankees uh, and, Yankees the, Mets and the Mets would be out, I'd say, come on. I know baseball is crazy, but it can't be that crazy. Oh, well, but, Richie, yeah, it's, it's it. going to be interesting. It's always good talking to you. You too, Richie. Thanks for the call. Yeah, well, believe it. Yankees and Mets, I know they're not mathematically eliminated, but they're pretty done for, cooked. That's it. Look forward to the football. And that's why, maybe. Because both football teams have been so bad that, you know, now that they're, they've got some promise, the both of them, you're like real excited for it. And, and both baseball teams are so bad. So now the hype is, you know, the Yankee fan base and the Mets fan base are now aboard football season, both at the same time. Maybe that's another reason for the hype. Let's go to Rocco up in Saratoga. What's up? Hey, Danielle. How are you doing, my young lady? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm doing well. I don't, the season's not over, you realize. People are talking like it's all over. That fat lady hasn't sung yet for the Mets or the Yanks. I can't believe These people call themselves fans, and they're bailing and making trades for next year? Come on. When they tell So, Rocco, who's your team, the Mets or the Yankees? Both, my girl, both. Yanks and Mets. I'm old. old. All right, my guy, Rocco, you tell me. Let's go one by one. What is the path to the Yankees to make the postseason? Tell me. Tell you. Keep on winning. Keep on winning. (laughs) There's only so many games left on this schedule, Rocco. What about the Mets? Hey, my dear, I go way back. Uh, We're trying to be kind of setting now. I got you. Hmm? 1964 Phillies. Mm -hmm. What happened to them? They were going to win it. 
St. Louis Cardinals overtook them in September, down nine and a half games. All right? It's not like it's never was that, happened. No, let me, let me tell you, that was, that was uh, divisional, right? Well, nine and a half? Well, right now, no, the Yankees, well, the the Yankees are set. No division, what? then. It was the whole National League against you. Oh, no division. Okay, so, so let me do division the Division started in 69. All right, let division me see. League. Fine. So that was the whole league so against you. So the Yankees you. now are 17 and a half games back in the entire American League. No, just, no, no, and the I'm Mets are 27 and a half games back. It to the playoffs. No. They're not 17 and a half to get into. Once you're in the playoffs, it's a whole different ball game. They but, just have but, to get in. Rocco, the, the, the deficit is insurmountable for both teams to get to the playoffs, to get to the postseason. Do the math. They're on the brink of elimination. Don't be condescending to me. I get what you were trying to do there. But simply looking at the numbers... The Mets are 27 and a half games back uh, of the Atlanta Braves. And the Yankees are 17 and a half games back of, of Baltimore. And if you're looking at the leagues, the leagues, wild card, no better. Yankees, nine and a half with two, three teams to, to, to have to uh, displace and one to supplant. They've got to overcome three teams. The Mets, they're 10 and a half. I'm sorry. In the wild card, they're they're eight they're eight games back. I'm sorry, and they've got one, two, three teams to to overcome, and then one of either Arizona or San Francisco to supplant. There are not enough games. I I, I, I don't have the math in front of me, but whatever, however many games they have left, I, I venture to guess that even if they won every single one of them, they wouldn't be able to get in on their own. Stop the nonsense, Rocco. Come on, man. Not about being a fan or not being a fan. It's about being a realist. Neither of these teams are making the postseason. Come on, man. Stewart in Brooklyn, you're up on a fan. How are you, Danielle? Oh, all right. How are you? Danielle, why are people becoming so delusional? I don't know. They're not making the playoffs. They're not. Neither team. Neither team. I mean, really, let's get real. And you want to know what? I don't want Brian Cashman back at all. I don't want him making the same moves he always makes, blah, blah, blah. Right-handed bats, not a lot of lefty hitters for Yankee Stadium. Yep. And they don't do it right. He doesn't do it right. So why does Hal keep on letting this man spend his money so unwisely, like on Frankie Montas and Carlos Rodon? And, uh, I mean, please. And so Uncle Stevie... Come on, Stevie, you better sign a line, though, because if you don't, your fan base is going to be very, very mad. Oh, yeah. Very angry. They will be mad at you, and your honeymoon will be over and out. And it's just simple. They got to keep their own. These are homegrown Mets. Yep. And the Yankees, I love I love them, Washington. I mean, I, didn't, I heard the first, that he hit the first pitch out. Yep. That's how he went. Well, he, no, it was, the, it was the first, first swing. It was the second pitch. It was an 0-1 count. Okay, so it was his second, it was his first swing. He hits the ball out, and they beat up on Justin Verlander, which I'm happy about because <laughs> they just can't seem to beat him. Yep. And the thing is, Danielle, it's like this. These, this, I don't want Cashman making another move. Well, no. I'm I know, sorry. Stuart, and I know we, we had this discussion. Thanks for the call there, Stuart. Great call. I love the passion there. But we had this discussion when he was up for contract negotiation, and I didn't want him back then. Right, but here's the thing: they gave him a four-year deal. This is year one. We're concluding year one of a four-year deal. You know, so 
do, do I think that maybe maybe Hal will, will utilize this outside company to say, hey, look, you got to get rid of your GM, and maybe Hal that will give Hal the out to say, hey, look, hey man, I love you, but you know they said we have to get rid of you, and we have to. So so maybe he'll use it that way. I hate to say it that way, but maybe that's what he's hoping for. I don't know, but I I agree with you. And and at the time that Cashman had no contract, they were negotiating the uh, the the judge deal. He was negotiating the judge deal without his own contract. So he kind of forced the hand. And ultimately, it was Hal that got the job done, by the way, in the foothills of Italy, going through those tunnels. You, if you've been there, you know what I mean. Going through those tunnels that are cement-enclosed with the, the, the mountains on top of you, you lose service every time you go through one of them. And it kept happening and kept happening. And it called judge in the middle of the night. And it was Hal that got it done, eventually. And that's what I think Steve Cohen should do. Get on the phone, pick up the cell phone, call Pete Alonso, and say, what's it going to take? Because I, I don't trust the Mets front office especially a Mets front office in flux, especially that. And uh, I'm Daniel McCartan here uh, until 6.30 p.m. And, oh, by the way, Pete Alonzo is not the bad guy. Call me up, 877-337-6666. For me, I I love representing this this organization. I love being a Met. I love... uh, representing the the city of new york the best way i possibly can i love uh i love everybody in this clubhouse i mean it's i being a met it's the only it's the only thing i know um and it's i mean there's so many people here not just like not just here in the big league clubhouse but i came up with in the minor leagues that have had such a positive impact on on my career so i mean it's um i mean it, it's it's been phenomenal here so far so i i mean i don't i don't know what the future holds but um but right now, like I'm a Met, and I, I love being a Met. It's it's I, I take pride in uh, putting on the jersey every day and representing the city of New York. That, of course, the voice of Pete Alonso, courtesy of SNY, and he has shown time and time again that he does not wilt under the bright hot lights, the white hot lights here in New York City, and in fact, he thrives. I've, like I said, I've been to his camps for kids. He is a huge supporter of the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Again, he organized those custom 9-11 cleats for the entire team. You saw last night his, for the love of the game initiative, having these kids come out to the ballpark that wouldn't normally get the chance to. He even had some of the kids in the press conference room with him after the game. That is an unforgettable experience for a child. Provided for by Pete Alonso, and I saw all the haters on, on on Twitter. Of course, you know Pete Alonso made a little statement about having the kids come out to the game, and he had the phone in his hand, and you know he was kind of reading off the off the the phone. You know, basically what I just said, pretty much. The kids didn't have a chance. Blah blah. Oh, where's the sincerity? Like in him, he's he's got to read it. Did he even write it? Does he even know who the kids are? I mean, come, give it a break, man. How about maybe the guy just wants to get every single word and syllable right because it's going to be dissected from now and through the rest of the winter for this guy. Maybe he just wanted to get it exactly right, exactly how he wanted to get it. Who knows? But to knock him for using a phone in a – come on, a notes in a press conference? Really? Really? Come on. And speaking of maturity on under the bright lights, Alonzo said this in addition to the quote before. He said – um, about the trade rumors. He said, I think that anything and everything can be written. It's the age of social media. For me, the only thing that really matters to me is the respect from my peers, which are the people who I work with every day, 
And that includes not just players and coaches, but also media members who are here in the clubhouse. And let me tell you something. I've been there. I've been in that clubhouse many times since August of 2019. That's four years. And I'm not there every day. I'm not trying to tell you I'm there every day. But I've been in and out enough, I think. I was also out in Seattle with Pete Alonso. Well, not with him, but to see him in the Yankees, of course, um, and highlight the New Yorkers in this year's All-Star game. And I have never, never seen a single thing with my own eyeballs that has caused me pause about Pete Alonso. I have with other players, which I will not get into, but I have never seen it with Pete Alonso. And I've, I've consulted with my own very connected source, and that source said, quote, Pete's not the issue at all. Definitely overstated to some degree, but it's not as warm and fuzzy as last year, end quote. And I was like, well, duh, losing with the under the weight of these expectations from last year will do that to you. So to have a guy's teammates, even the ones that don't play for the Mets anymore, come to bat for him, that's really all you really need to know. Lindor, he said, I, I think he's one of the best guys in this clubhouse. Scherzer on the toxic clubhouse says, quote, no, it was not at all. We actually had a great clubhouse. We had a great veterans. Everyone include, excuse me, everyone included. That's definitely not the reason why we lost. We were a tight-knit group, had a lot of fun together, said Scherzer, who does not even play on the Mets anymore. So what a message that would send, huh? Steve Cohen not willing to take care of his preeminent homegrown guy who publicly says he wants to stay here, who has his teammates past and present support. Offer him the contract he deserves and stop the nonsense. Steve Cohen, call him up and get it done. Because everything I have seen with my own eyes, people I have texted, don't see it. Now, again, there are other guys that I look around and I'm observant. I'm an observant person. I'm like, who? I wouldn't want to be a teammate with that guy. There have been those scenarios. I've never, and I could be wrong. But based on my experience, I have not seen it with Pete Alonso. I've just not. 877 337 We go to Tim in Norwalk, Connecticut. What's up, Tim? Hey, how's it going? Danielle, first time talking to you. Man, you're, you're unbelievable. I, I, I've never talked to you before. You're great. A uh, couple nice. things. First off, the guy from Saratoga, Rocco, yeah. one thing in New York, in the Tri-State area, growing up in Queens, I'm a Yankees fan, ironically, but I'm a Jets fan, so I don't pick on the JV. Like, I don't pick on the Mets. But Pete Alonso, besides, like, acting like that when he was at the Home Run Derby, dancing and bobbing and weaving, I think that rubbed a lot of Yankee fans even the wrong way, but... I feel so bad for this guy right now. Yeah. I feel like he is the scapegoat for a bad season. And trust me, the Mets have a lot of problems. Ben, I just saw a stat today. Mm-hmm. The Mets are 53-2 and two this season when Edwin Diaz hasn't closed the game. And they thought the season was over because they didn't have a closer. Oh, you know, I, I mean, there's... I mean, and again, though, like with the with the the Jets right now, yes, it's a very weird. I was on the uh, radio with uh, Keith McPherson the other day, and I just told him, I said, this is a weird time for guys and their and girls, and uh, you know, born in the mid '80s, and they're not used to as Yankee fans, not used to, you know, having this. This is weird, but I mean, it's almost like we sold our souls to the devil to get Aaron Rodgers, and uh, he's 
and he's like going to be the new Mark Messier of uh, New York City. Oh, you can only hope that Aaron Rodgers can do what Mark Messier did for the New York Rangers. You can only hope. I mean, hey, listen, he came here, he brought his guys here, but, and again, Lazardi's still a young guy. He's yeah. not Devontae Adams or anything, no right. joke about that or whatever, yeah. but I mean, but uh, other than that, I mean, yeah, Pete Alonso is really just is the scapegoat right now, and I like that you said that Lindor was sticking up for him a little bit, even though Lindor, is, he's, he's kept his mouth shut, he doesn't, you know, dye his hair a million colors anymore. And, and, and guess, guess what, Tim? If you want to pick on somebody to, to I mean, I'm not picking on, I'm, I'm not starting this whole thing with Lindor, but I, w- observable. He promised McNeil a car. He never delivered it to him. He, he issued uh-huh. a thumbs down to the fans at, at, at I almost said Shea Stadium, at, at City Field. Like, like, <laughs> so, don't we, worry. We still call, we still call <laughs> that from Woodhaven, Queens. <laughs> like, can, we, can we talk about that in a, in a clubhouse and, and the impact of that in a clubhouse maybe? I don't know. I know. I know. I feel – I almost – like, uh, listen, like I said before, there's no such thing as I root for both teams. I'm a New York fan. There's no such thing between the Mets and the Yankees and Giants and Jets fans because, you know – for a fact that in 96, 99, and 2009, Mets fans were not rooting for the Yankees during the World Series. Well, the you, you don't know that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, I just wanted to uh, – pretty much I just wanted – I'm walking my dog right now. I figured I'd give you a call, and uh, and uh, it was really nice talking to you. And uh, uh, I just want to remind everyone uh, in the Tri-State area, how do you spell Jets? <laughs> J-E-T-S. Hey, Tim, what kind of dog do you have? I'm a dog person. Uh, Cav- King Cavalier Charles is, uh, he's, uh, just turned four on, uh, June 9th. Oh, well, my, I, my Husky turns nine on Monday, so. Yeah. Uh, he's a, he's a sweet, he's a sweetie. He's smiling right now, right uh, now. So he knows, uh, he knows yeah, we're talking good, about him. He's a good boy. <laughs> yeah, All right, exactly. Tim, thanks for the call. Appreciate All right, it. have a good day, weekend, Labor Day, too. Right, bye. Bye. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love dogs. I'm a dog person. I am, and any, 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 and all. So the dog was smiling. He knew we were talking about him. That's why he was smiling. I'll tell you that much. I actually leave my Alexa on when I leave the house, so my dog listens to the show. She's an avid listener to my show. Honestly, <laughs> let's go to Jose in Staten Island. What's up, Jose? Uh, hello, uh, Daniel. How are you? I'm great. How are you? All right. I hope you have a beautiful uh, Labor Day weekend. Oh, but, um, I'll be here. Um, It'll be beautiful. Thank you. You too. All right. Thank you. I want to talk about the Alonzo thing. Yeah. You know, everybody's talking about trading him, trading him, bringing in these prospects and everything. But who's going to hit us 37, 40 home runs right. a year that right. he's been doing? Right. And who's going to bring us that 100 RBIs? Because you can see Lindor's not going to do it. Yep. And, again, uh, Alvarez, uh, right now, to me, Alvarez is tired. He hasn't played these many games. I know. But I got to give I got to give the kid credit. Yep. And I'm saying, okay, because... I was born in the 60s. I was born early 60s. Yep. So he's a kid to me. And to mind you, play all these games yes. that he's never played before. Yep. As a catcher. Hitting, yeah, as a catcher. And his hitting, even though it's effective, his catching has still been outstanding. Yep. He's been gunning people down from his knees. Yep. He's been going behind. He's been doing everything you can ask about. Yep. And then, again, Nemo is 20 just now. His first time in his life he's hit 20. But where you get, you can see, uh, you can see, uh, Alonzo is not going to right field like he used to do. He used to hit a lot of home runs going to right center. A lot of his doubles were right center field. And he's not going to right field because he's trying to bring in the runs that he right. knows he doesn't have anybody. Right. What are you going to do? You're going to get a 40-year-old guy to be a DH again that yeah. hits home no, runs? No, you got, you you got Daniel – and the other thing, too, in the lineup there, Jose, you got Daniel Vogelback protecting him in the lineup. He knows he has to put it on his back and make it happen. Yeah, well, again, look at it. But, again, give Vogelback and give the guy they got from Baltimore, uh, the right fielder, 
give them the credit that they just stepped it up right now. But unfortunately, it's a little too uh, too much too late. Yeah, and, it's time. You know, it's time for the kids to play. Enough of Vogelback. It's, it's enough. Time, exactly. And I think you know. Hopefully, we have uh, in Mauricio. We have that guy that Cincinnati has that's been electrifying yeah. uh, all everybody yeah. in in baseball. Yep, I, I know. You know, because yesterday he showed something. He showed an energy, just like Alvarez did when he hit his first home run. Yep. When he came up, pumping his chest, everything. And he made New York alive again. And yep. hopefully Mauricio, with some of these guys, even Bat- Beatty, comes up around and starts hitting like he does in the minor league. Yeah, we'll you see. Know, we need all that. Yeah, of course, Jose. It's, it's, it's the time of year for it, unfortunately, for the Mets and for the Yankees. To have to embrace... The, the, the youth movement going on. And that's what I opened with today. It's time. Like, but you know what? I feel it. Like, I, I maybe call me a nerd, whatever you want to call me. But I was excited to watch those two games last night, the Mets game and the Yankees game. I had them both on. I had uh, Prime TV. Which one was on Prime? The uh, the Yankees were on Prime. So I had them on the, the TV on the wall. And then I had the Mets on the Apple TV on my laptop. So, yeah, I was excited about it to see all these guys. And, and Alvarez, let me tell you something. Alvarez is a is a dog. He's a beast, man. He's a workhorse. And I just hope that they don't ride him so hard that he that he that he breaks. You know, give him the rest that he needs. I mean, he, we know what he can do. Right? We've seen what he can do. He is going to be an integral part to this Mets team moving forward. The Mets have found their catcher for the next 10 years. I said that. He's a workhorse. He is Probably my second favorite Met behind Brandon Nimmo. I say Brandon Nimmo won just the way that they play the game. You know, Nimmo won, Alvarez too. So yes, Alvarez, you cannot say enough nice things about Francisco Alvarez. You can't. Pete Alonzo either. 877-337-6666. Quick break. Emmanuel Barbari update. I'm back with you right at the top of the 5 p.m. hour here on The Fan. My name is Daniel McCartan, hanging with you for another 90 minutes, right up till taking you right up to Yankee pregame here on WFAN, the Yankee Radio Network. Uh, I just check it in on the Twitter poll. I, I love Twitter polls; they're my favorite. I wrote, uh, "I'm going to see Bruce Springsteen tomorrow for the first time. I've seen Bon Jovi countless times. Who is better in concert, Bruce or JBJ?" With 18 minutes left, at Coach MCC ARTAN, you can cast your vote. Uh, so far, Bruce is leading the charge with 76% of the votes. Well, now I'm even more excited to go see him tomorrow. I'm going right from the show to MetLife tomorrow. <laughs> it's going to be kind of crazy. 877-337-6666. I hope you make it in time. He starts, I heard, at 730. It's going to be tight. It's going to be a little bit tight. 82,000 people filling the stands there and... I just hope I can get through in Lincoln Tunnel to get there. So, uh, speaking of big crowds, did you see that the uh, the University of Nebraska drew a world record for a women's sporting event? Ninety three thousand fans. Women's volleyball game. Women's ninety three thousand. Imagine that. Hmm. And that. Uh, on the heels of the news that a brand new women's hockey league, the PWHL, it is in the process of forming. It'll be on ice in January. And my understanding is that uh, this one league, which is a combination of the previously existing two leagues, 
Um, it's going to have the best 150 players on just six teams. And they said, why am I bringing it to your attention, that the, quote, New York area will be getting a team. So nothing's been announced yet. It makes me think that uh, they might be playing their games at the Prudential Center, which is the New York area. And if that's the case, I can't wait. And I also had a thought, New York area might mean they might be splitting time among the three arenas that we have, possibly. And call them like the Metropolitans or something like that. I know that's a, the Mets. So I got a, be- a better name or something like that. But I, you know what I'm trying to say? That they'll play home games in all three different ones. UBS, Prudential, and uh, Madison Square. Who knows? But uh, the league itself is backed by uh, Mark and Kimbra Walter. He's the CEO of Guggenheim Partners. He's also part owner of the Dodgers and also co-owner of Chelsea Football Club, Chelsea FC. So he's a successful business background, and it's got experience in two major market professional sports leagues. Yeah, I think this one's going to survive. So uh, I combined those two stories, and three even, to say this about women's sports. Try it. You might like it. 877-337-6666. And by the way, since the Mets and Yankees are pretty much out of it, no matter what Rocco and Saratoga tells you. Um, maybe you should try to turn your attention to the New York Liberty. Playoffs start on the, on the 13th, just about 11 days from now. And the Liberty have the chance to take it all away. Home games at Barclays Center, by the way. 877-337-6666 is the number to get aboard. In the order that you called, we go back to line three. Austin in Westfield, New Jersey. You're up on the fan. Hi, first time caller, long time Westfield. Oh, thanks. I just have to say, ever since you started with WFAN, I've been getting the greatest sleep of my life. What does that I mean? I mean, I'm out like a light. Really? The second that you start. Dude, you, you waited on 40 minutes on hold to tell me that? I did. You did. And, and you're awake to tell me. You were right awake when I went to the phone to, to, to call on you. Yeah. So you, you must be getting great sleep for what, six years now? Yeah. Wow. That's really good for you. I'm glad. You sound like you're wide awake, man. Yeah, I know. So now I'm confused. So now I'm confused. I thought you just told me you were having the best sleep of your life. Yeah, I mean, time, time, you know. What? What did you, what? You got nothing to say? He doesn't sound like he's all that. Yeah, he doesn't. He he sounds like he wanted me to hang up on him, and he's still on the line. So I'm giving him every. I'm giving him the rope, man. Go ahead. That's what he was expecting. And I'm not. And I'm not going to do that. Oh, now he just hung up. He hung up. You saw it, right? Yes. He hung up the phone, Brian. Dude, waited on 40 minutes on. What did he tell you he wanted to talk about? Yesterday's Yankee game. Yesterday's Yankee game. And gave me a little bit on it, too, yeah. <laughs> so, wow, what a troll, man. That's amazing. I, 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 you know what? I don't mind it. I don't mind it. You went on 40 minutes on hold. You, you deserve a participation trophy, man. Best sleep of your life. Yet you're wide awake. Maybe you meant to call somebody else, but <laughs> not me. That's not me. He was waiting for me to hang up the phone on him. That's what he was waiting for. I'm not going to do it. He didn't know what to say once he was challenged. He didn't know. Typical troll move. What a loser. You're a loser. You have nothing better to do on a beautiful 78-degree Saturday 
sunk down a cloud in the sky, then wait on 40 minutes on hold to tell me that? You're a loser. Stan, in Mendham, you're up on a fan. Hi. Hey. How are you? Great. How are you? I have a uh, thesis, and I, I think you'll agree with me. I don't think the Yankees will ever win with Stanton and, and on the team. Hmm. He can't run. Yep. He can't for average. Mm-hmm. He's injured. They don't put he's him in the field. Eight. They don't put him in the field. He's batting 200. Yeah. I, I think they have the DFA. I'm telling you the truth. I can't trade him. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I do. You're, I love your thesis there, Stan. But the DFAing and the, and the dollars involved, I, I don't so see what? it happening. I know. I know. Not so what? Anyway. The money is spent already. So I what? know. I know. I know. I know, Stan. I get it. Yeah, I get it. But I would do it. I know. I would do it. But I don't think. How Steinbrenner will. But maybe that'll be a part of his internal investigation. But I agree with you. There are so many knocks against Giancarlo Stanton that it's it's hard to justify keeping him on the team at this point. Maybe that'll be subject of, of their internal investigation with an outside company. Who knows? We go to Jim in Yonkers. What's up, Jim? Hey, Danielle. Hey. I had the opposite reaction from, uh, from the last caller. I, I remember uh, a while ago, there's a major rainstorm. I was coming back from Boston. And uh, you accompanied me all the way, and I appreciate it. You're terrific on the air. So I'm not sure what, what substance he was on, but uh, wow. <laughs> uh, Jim, guy's anyway. just a plain old loser. It's all right. It's no big uh, deal. And thank you, by any- the way. No, oh, oh, my pleasure. Uh, great to speak to you. Um, I want to touch base on the Mets. Yeah. Uh, two things. One, I agree 100% with you about, uh, about our catcher. If you look back at Met history, every single time we went to the World Series, we had a top notch catcher. Ooh. And this boats tremendously well. Think about it. Back in 69, we had Brody, right? And we had the kid. I mean, this is just, this is just, well, and, and of course, uh, by Piazza. So anytime we've had a really top notch catcher, we're going to have this guy for the next decade. Yep. I agree with you. He's going to be a true Superstar. I agree. That's number one. And and and, and Jim, two. he's got the work at the, to go along with it too. Because I remember when I go to City Field, I am I almost said Shea Stadium again. I don't know why that's on my brain. But when I go, to I, City, I, I did that yesterday. <laughs> when I go out there with the media pass, and I don't go often. I'm not trying to say that I do. I don't cover the team. But when I do go out there, I make sure I am the first person in line in, at the media line. I'm the first person. And the one time that I went, and the, what did I go two or three times this year? But the one of the times that I went. It was a million degrees that day. And guess what? I got up to the press box and I looked down and there was Francisco Alvarez taking extra swings before batting practice, before fielding practice, in the cage. The guy is a workhorse. I can get behind someone like that. I love Francisco Alvarez. Oh, and I, I agree 100%. And, and about our, our wonderful new owner, and I say that, uh, I haven't said that in years. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love the approach he's taken, and it, it makes so much sense. People say, oh, my gosh, why did he get rid of the, the two 40-year-old guys, blah, blah, blah. The way Steve Cohen makes his money is the way a lot of guys in finance make their money, and I've been a lawyer for them. Hey, they understand value. They understand when to write things off. They understand when something is just, take it out, take it out of the bottom line anymore. It's not going to be effective. What he's doing, not only building the farm system, but take a look at the core of young players that we have right now. This is a game where youth, strength, stamina, and speed are of paramount importance over 162 games. Next year, our starting lineup is going to be one of the youngest and one of the strongest in the league. And bolster the pitching, we're going to be right back to where last three or four years. 
Yeah, you know what, though, Jim, and you're breaking up just a little bit. I hate to do that to you. You were, you were breaking up a little bit. But the, the thing that I just, and, and I would love to have had continued this, but the phone was breaking up. The one thing I would not have liked, I, I don't mind the Scherzer departure. I don't. I, I would have loved to see Verlander be the number one starter on that team for next year. I would have. I mean, he, he he started the season late because of the injury, and he was just kind of getting into the, to the rhythm, and, that, and he was pitching well. And uh, I, I would have loved to see him, you know, start next season as, as the, the number one pitcher. But that's not the direction they went. Okay, so you got to deal with it. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree otherwise. Yeah, I, I do agree otherwise. And then thanks for that call there, by the way. Let's go to, uh, yeah, we got time. Let's go to Greg in Hoboken. Oop, I hit the button. There you, there you go. Greg, you're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good, good. I always love listening to your show. You always come with your stuff all in a line. Which I appreciate, and I appreciate the uh, the Pete Alonso quotes and and uh, the quotes from the, the teammates and all of that. Yeah, thank uh, you. I got two things. Uh, one, just in terms of whether there's something off in the clubhouse, um, my take, and it's in, it's a fan's take. Maybe there might be, uh, and I, I'm I'm still not clear on whether there is or not. But Gelb said it on the broadcast at one point. Saying you know you don't see the pitchers huddling up and talking to each other's true stuff they, like they did last year, and he said that he he thinks that there's a less uh, there's a little less of a vibe here. Well, but, I mean, but, but listen, Greg, they've won 101 games this year. They're yep. they're out of the playoff contention by the trade deadline. So right. losing will do that to you to right. a clubhouse. You That's gotta true. understand everybody. Not you. I'm saying not you, but you, just in general, you gotta understand that losing under the weight of those expectations. We'll do that. Sure. I've, and I've been kind of waiting because it's been a pressure cooker all year. And, and when losing happens, you know, if something's going to blow, yeah. that's when people are going to start pointing fingers. Yes. And that's when the divisions are going to happen. Correct. And but guess what? I haven't seen it yet. I have not seen it yet either. Here's, here's uh, my issue mm-hmm. is the whole business about, hey, there might be the club's ex- clubhouse is toxic and Pete Alonso is a part of that. Well, that's a quote. But that's, and that's the quote that started the whole thing. Right. And that's the quote that came from WFAN. Right. It, not you. Right. But it came from a... a, a I'm aware. You know? Yep. A, and when I, I heard that live as it was happening, and I kept waiting for just what you did, you know? Somebody makes an assertion, you, you say something, and you, Danielle, have quotes to back it up, you have sources to back it up. Personal and, experience. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, and so when I heard that, I thought, all right, there's two things here. The clubhouse is toxic, and where is that coming from? Now, it sounded like, and I, I'm not going to dwell on it, but it mm-hmm. sounded like Sal had somebody that he was talking to that was kind of feeding him, and, eh, you know, it's not the best, but he wasn't getting into that. Now, okay, that's, you want to put something on the table and say, do you guys see it, do you not see it? Fine. But to then say Pete Alonso is a part of that and not be able to substantiate to it and then back. and then backtrack on it. Right. Well, did he backtrack on uh, it? Debatable. I know okay. the Seven Line Army put out a video last night. I do know that. Oh, I saw. I saw that Seven Line. Yeah. Uh, well, I saw the Seven Line video, which is that was, was BT. Him that, yeah. That, that quote, and I, I, you know, now it's. It's gotten amplified. It's yes. got Disha Sosar doing a story on and, it. And it's, it, it's damaging to a guy's character. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I'll tell you what my hope would be, and you can't do anything. 
anything about it. But I would love for Sal Licata to have like a come-to-Jesus moment saying, this is what I said, this is what I meant, this is what I was speculating on, and if he's going to walk it back, walk it all the way back. Because now you're talking about a guy's future. And they're beginning to do the dance of, do we extend you, don't we extend you, how far apart are we? Mm -hmm. So it comes at a very delicate time. It does. Yep. And and listen, and and, and Greg, thanks for the call. I appreciate that. And and I have... I've heard Sal do it before. So, you know, maybe you call him up and ask him to do it live. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I've heard him do it before, and we'll see how this pans out over the next couple of days. I don't know. 877-337-6666. But um, based on everything I have observed with my own eyes since August of 2019, um, on multiple different occasions, based on the source that I contacted, who is directly connected to the Mets, it's it's not a thing, you know. And 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 just everything that I've observed with my own eyeballs, it's 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 not a thing. I've been to the kids' camps. He doesn't show up for just a photo op and he gets out of there. He stays through the duration of the camp, interacts with every kid. I'm telling, like coaches, like every, like every kid there, and there are hundreds of kids there. I've seen it. I've been there. You got a guy that organizes 9/11 cleats, you know, custom cleats for every guy on, on the squad. I mean, that takes a lot of coordination and a lot of time. And it's pretty I, I want I want to say, you know, it's a, it's a thankless thing, you know? Like everybody goes out there with cool cleats, cool, you know? Um I I I've been in that clubhouse when there have been guys that I have said, I wouldn't want to be a teammate with him." One this season, one last season in particular. I won't tell you who they are, but it's never been. I'll tell you who it wasn't. It wasn't Pete Alonzo. It wasn't. And I'm not pretending to cover the team every day. I'm not. But I've been in enough since 2019 to say, I don't see it. I don't see it. That's all. 877-337-6666. We go up to New Providence. Raj, you're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. First time, long time. Uh, Happy Labor Day weekend to you. You too. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, So, hey, listen, I'm actually an Astros fan. And uh, so I've been watching the Mets, you know, a little closely this week because they're playing against the Rangers and Mariners. Mm -hmm. And uh, the one thing I'll say, you know, I know now they're rebuilding after the trade deadline and Mm -hmm. all that. But there's only one pitcher on the staff, on the Mets staff that is even, you know, somebody you'd want to keep for the next couple of years, and that's Senga. Um, and so, you know, listen, I think they should extend Alonzo. It's, it's a no-brainer. You know, it's a, it's, he's a solid citizen. He's a great player, like you said. But I just wonder what exactly are the Mets going to do to rebuild this pitching staff. I think they're going to need about 10 new pitchers between now and when they're ready to compete again. Well, you're including and, the bullpen, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, I mean... Again, as much as I would want them to extend Alonzo, do you think it's possible that the only way they're going to get front-end starting pitching is to deal from their strength or to deal nah, from a guy like Alonzo? I don't think so, Raj. Thanks for the call. It's very windy where you are. It sounds beautiful, though. Um, uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think you have to deal Alonzo to get top-notch pitching. I mean, Steve Cohen has the, long, the deepest pockets in the entire league. So you look at the free agent market. I like Blake Snell. I, t- I would take a look at Jordan Montgomery. You know he could pitch here. And there there are other names and other ways you can do it. But I agree with you. I wouldn't say 10. Uh, 10 I think is too much. But I would say, you know, two at minimum. Two, probably three starters. 
and I would say maybe four bullpen arms I would be looking at. So with the return of Diaz, of course, so I'd be looking at what seven different guys. Not quite ten, but but seven. Yeah, the to- the pitching needs to be totally revamped for the New York Mets for sure. We'll continue the conversation at eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. My name is Danielle McCart. I'm with you till six thirty here on WFAN. Back to the fan. My name is Daniel McCartan, hanging with you for one more hour. We have entered the final hour territory. <laughs> it's been fun. Getting a little bit, a little bit nuts. There's always some clown callers. Hey, but you know what? It is what it is, you know? Uh, I, I got a tweet from at 1978 underscore Corvette. In capital letters says, You do not trade Alonzo. Bunch of exclamation points. Uh, yes, for sure. My poll just ended. Who's better to see in concert? Bruce or John Bon Jovi? Well, I will be going to the concert tomorrow. I will report back on Monday. I'll be back uh, tomorrow as well, 3.30 to 6.30 tomorrow. And then Monday, 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. So we can have that conversation as well. But by the way, 76.5% of voters say that Bruce is the better concert. My first time. We'll see what's going on. It's been a um, a prospect-laden discussion today. Um, a do you trade Alonzo, yes or no kind of day? And the answer is no. And um, I, I've got no dog in the fight, but everything I've observed from Pete Alonzo is a stand-up guy, man. So I don't know. Um, 877-337-6666 is the phone number to get aboard. You want to talk to, I don't know, a little football as well. Whatever you want to talk about, I'm open to it. That's how it should be, right? Again, the phone number, which is already saved, 877-337-6666. Let's go out to, hmm, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Let's go to uh, Dave in Queens. What's up there, Dave? Danielle, thanks. Um, and no, I think your show is good, great, because you do always for the studio. And I think that really helps. Yeah, it's chemistry. a little I extra juice, right? Always, yeah, thanks. I always, yeah. There's always a difference. And you always are in the studio. So your show is always good that way. I appreciate that all the time. Yeah, thank you. Um, you're welcome. And um, let me let me tell you this. For that volleyball, 93,000 attendance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, when you saw that, right, you were like, in your head, you had to have been like, what, what wow, right? You yeah. were blown away by that number, right? Yeah. As was everybody, including myself. So, But I did some research into it because you got to see, you got to say to yourself, why are 93,000 people going to a, a woman's volleyball game, a volleyball game at all? You know, it's, it's a great sport, but 93,000? But the thing is, Nebraska has major ten. They're, they're a powerhouse in volleyball, from what my research told me. And they also have they lead the nation always in attendance. So they do get fans. Mm-hmm. But ninety three thousand is a record, right? Yeah. So the reason is, so Danielle and everyone has to notice now, because there was a huge country music uh, a concert right after the volleyball, uh, a concert by Scotty McCreary. Huge. And- Scotty McCreary is not huge in country music, but all right. Well, okay, I don't know if you do a country radio show. I don't either. I but, don't, um, but I, I listen very uh, intently right. to country music, yeah. All right, well, I, you do probably know more than me, but I, I didn't say he was the, the best country okay. music guy ever. All I know, right. I go back, I only know, like, uh, Dukes of Hazzard country music. I don't know anything for real country music. I respect it. But, Scott, okay, I'll take away the word huge. The reason there was a huge 93,000 is because of that concert. It, they get a good crowd anyway, but let's not kid ourselves and say 93,000 went to that game to see just volleyball because if, if there was no if there was no Scotty McCreary Scotty there's McCreary. definitely not 93,000 Scotty McCreary 
Scotty McCreary, number one, is not a big draw anywhere. Scotty McCreary can't even sell out a stadium, number one. Have you ever been to a Mets game when there's a concert after it? Have you ever been to a Yankee game when there's a concert after it? No, I don't believe in that. I just go to games for games. But the thing is... But but it does happen. Yeah. So oh, I don't know. And people Dave, like come it. on, man. That's this why. is like nonsense, man. Yeah. People, 93,000 people do not show up to watch a Scotty McCreary concert. I'll tell you that much. I am a huge fan of country music. I've never seen Scotty McCreary. And 93,000 people were not going to see Scotty McCreary. I don't know what else to tell you. Okay? So stop taking stuff away from women's sports. Stop taking it away. 93,000 people went to go see that volleyball game. I played volleyball. It's very exciting. Maybe you should try it. Maybe you should try watching it. 877-337-6666. Come on, man. Martin in Guilford, Connecticut. You're up on the fan. I'm going to be announcing volleyball games at my local high school this fall. I'm kind of excited about it, Danielle. Oh, man. I I coached volleyball for like 11 years. It's it's a great sport. Yeah, I went my high school out in California. It was a powerhouse. Palisades. Always making Olympic players. Listen, a quick football point before I talk about Mauricio. You got it. this is not a college football part of the country. I fully understand that. But mm-hmm. the biggest story in sports this weekend took place at Fort Worth today. Primetime took a Colorado team, not expected to win more than three games, yeah. to, to play the runner-up in the national championship at their home turf mm-hmm. and beat them today. I know. It's remarkable. I saw that trending as I was on. Yeah, I can't, um, I can't watch it. You know, Right now I have Auburn UMass on TV. I, I'm, I haven't watched a single play, I'll be honest. But, yeah, I did no, see no, that trending. No, no, I understand. I, yeah. I get it. I mean, yeah. it's, it is, but it's a hell of a story, and his son played a wonderful game at quarterback. It was really, really fun to see. But anyway, regarding, yeah. uh, regarding Mauricio, this guy, uh, this someone earlier was kind of making a loose comparison with him, hopefully with Ella De La Rosa of uh, – of Cincinnati, mm. um, and I don't know if you saw his hit when he hit that. You know this beautiful 170 mile an hour, whatever it was. Yeah. he jogs out of the batter's box. You know, absolutely oh, dead satisfied. Absolutely dead satisfied with the double when the Cincinnati shortstop would have been busting his tail as he always does, trying to get triples. So I'm, I'm hoping someone in the Mets clubhouse talks oh, to him about that. that right up. Go watch yeah, it. I, I mean, you can watch it yeah, between 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 shots. You can watch it very easily. I mean, he isn't like do a home run stare, but he clearly his first 10 steps are not fast. So I mean, the, it's just kind of, you're saying the Ronnie Mauricio play. first hit, right? That's what you're saying? So the, the one that was a shot over the over the yeah. right fielder's head, uh-huh, I think was the first hit. Yeah. I didn't see the game. All right, game. I'll take a look. Yeah, sure. I will. Yeah, and that's in Danielle. I mean, I'm not going to say the end. Uh, you would like the, you and Sal are both my favorites, but you guys couldn't be more opposite. I know. He's, style, <laughs> he's style over substance, and you're the other way around, and I appreciate you both. So you take care of yourself. Keep up the great work, yeah. and enjoy the show tomorrow. Thanks, Martin. I appreciate that. Um, I'm actually watching the video right now. Uh, it's it's too. I'm not gonna call you a liar. I'm really not. It's just it's too. I don't know if there's another camera angle from from what I saw. Oh, there it is. Yeah, I see the jog. I do on the replay. Yeah, I see it. I'm sorry. There's a little silence in the radio there, but he hits the ball. Watch, hits the ball. <laughs> watch. I'm watching. I'll explain it to you. He hits the ball. He takes one, two, three steps before he drops the bat. Let me go back. And it's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten before he starts to actually sprint. Uh, I don't know. I hope someone talked about it, and I, and I hope he was just like, man, I was just taking the time to watch it hit the ground. It's my first hit. If it continues to be a, a problem, then, then we'll, we could talk about it. It'll be a topic. But for right now, that's a kid admiring his first Major League Baseball hit. I, I'm going to give him a pass, especially the ringer that the Mets have put him through to get to that point. Play this, 
you're going to be a June 2nd. Hey, you're going to be our second baseman. Like what? And, 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 and the trials and tribulation we talked about in the open that how, how the Mets have not been doing him a favor in any which way at all um, in, in his rise to where he's been. So if he's going to take 10 steps and watch his first major league hit, I'm okay with it unless it beco- becomes more of an issue. We go to Dave in Croton. Is that Croton on the Hudson, Dave? Is that what that's called? Yes, it is. All right, what's going on? Yes, it is, Daniel. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, first of all, volleyball is a tremendous sport. My school, where my wife works, the volleyball capital of Westchester County, tremendous sport. Hey, I, we won a state uh, championship when I was coaching uh, in my school in North Jersey. So it's it's amazing. Uh, I, the crowd. We, we had fan buses going to the game. That's how big it is. Greatest high school sporting event ever was a volleyball game. Hendrick in High School up here at Section 1, they dominate. Anyway, your previous caller, he's talking about Mauricio dogging it out of the box. It was a 0-0 game at the time, and he led the inning off. He for sure is not going to try to stretch and get thrown out at third base. Yeah, I mean... It's I, first major league hit. Yeah, he's going to stay at second base. That's what I was kind of saying, yeah. No, and, and I get it. And, and I would have expected him to, to hustle out of the box had it been any other hit other than his first, really, honestly. But let him admire it. Give him a second. Let him soak it in. He's allowed... One hundred percent. Yes, I agree with you. Yeah, and thanks for the call, there, Danielle. You should be out during the week rather than a couple of the guys who are sucking up hot air. <laughs> I've listened to the station from day one, and it's hard to listen to now. Ah, well, Dave, thank you. Appreciate. It. I'll be back tomorrow Monday. There you go. Good job. Enjoy your weekend. <laughs> thanks, Dave. You too. Um, yeah. I, I, listen, the guy wants to admire his first hit. Again, I've got no problem with it. Honestly, I'm, if I'm we're being really honest, you and me. I would have done the same thing if I were him. I really, I would have done the same thing. And I'm a hard worker. You know what I'm saying? I'm, that's what the, 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 the comparison I'm trying to make there. I'm a hard worker. But to do it like that, from the home crowd, Friday night, I've got 20 of my, I, I didn't count them on the TV, but about 20 friends and family cheering me on, going absolutely nuts. I'm going to take a second and I'm going to enjoy it myself. Sorry, I am. But... It's a topic tomorrow if he continues to do it. He's batting ninth tonight. I could have predicted that. Buck Showalter, new guy, of course he's going to be hitting ninth. He's going to be hitting ninth until someone else drops out on top of him. It's ridiculous. Anyway, 877-337-6666. Also ridiculous, this talk about trading Pete Alonso. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. They should be extending that man. He's been, uh, 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 for every reason we've already talked about, it should be the opposite Pete Alonso should be a New York Met for life. We go out to Brooklyn, and Bruce, you're up on the fan. Right, Danielle. It's, uh, I, I can't agree more. And, and I'm a Yankee fan. And, and it baffles me why the Yankees didn't sign Judge before, you know, the past offseason. Mm-hmm. And it baffles me why the Mets wouldn't re-sign Alonso. He does everything they want him to do. He's a model citizen. Yeah. And if you look at that team, they're going to have youth at every position. Yeah. You know, the, the only people they need are like corner outfielders. And those are guys that are coming up through the organization. They have a much brighter future than the, than the, the Yankees do. But he got to sign Alonzo. I mean, he is the. I mean, he's the hammer in that lineup. Yes, and right, and that's the other thing. Where is the power coming from? Otherwise, you have yeah, Alvarez and, and 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 not much else. Yeah, and then you still don't have Alvarez hitting behind Alonzo, which I will not understand for the life of me why Vogelback is still hitting fifth. You know what I mean? Like, put Alonzo four. And Alvarez, five. It's not rocket science. Well, I don't understand the, the love affair with Vogelback. I, I mean, you know, it's, it's baffling. Baffling. So, you know. Yep. Anyway, have a nice weekend. 
Thank you. Uh, thanks, Bruce. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and, and if you look around, too, like, okay, so you want so – I feel like Shania Twain. So you want to trade Pete Alonzo. Okay, well, who's going to take his spot? You look internally. The Mets don't even have a player listed as, as a first baseman as their single and primary position in their entire minor league organization. Uh, a top prospect, I should say. Um, top prospect is valued by the Mets themselves. There's not a guy listed. They've got, they've got uh, what's his name? Ryan Clifford. He's listed as both an outfielder and a first baseman, but he's not due until 2026, and I believe that because Major League Baseball puts that out. So internally, there's nobody. Next year's unrestricted free agents, you want to go look there? Okay. Reese Hoskins coming off an entire season where he sat to a torn ACL. C.J. Crone, much cheaper than Pete Alonzo. Not the same production. You want to try to save some money in this new owner? Since when was he ever concerned with price tags and budgets? And you want to look at the trade market? Well, that's something we can't, you know, you and I sit and predict here on September 2nd. We can't. We don't know who's going to be available at that, you know, in, in December, for example, at this point. We just don't know. So that's, that's, we're not in those meetings. And as far as the trade rumors to the Brewers, and, and, and Rosenthal reported that uh, the Cubs were in on it too. But I, I read between the lines of what Pete said. Pete Alonzo said, Epler has to answer the phone. It's not personal. I would make a call about Pete Alonzo if I was another team. I for sure would, especially with, with, with the drama that's been surrounding this, this nonsensical drama. Epler's got to pick up the phone. It's the trade deadline. You have to pick it up. So, yeah, that's the right outlook. But it also tells me that Epler was the one picking up the receiving end of a phone call. He wasn't picking it up to dial. That's a big difference. 877-337-6666 is the number to get aboard as we roll along. We can go over the Mets and, and, and Yankees lineups for tonight. Um, and, and do a little interjection of, you know, what I like, what I don't like, and what you like, and what you don't like. Again, give me a call. My name is Daniel McCartan. I'm with you until 6.30 here on The Fan. Welcome back to The Fan. My name is Daniel McCartan. Hanging with you until 6.30, up, right up till Yankee pregame. And we do have a Yankee lineup and a Met lineup. Which would you like first? Let's do the Yankees. Um... It says, uh, Yankees Twitter says, Saturday night in Space City. Okay, here we go. Leaning off, playing first base, DJ LeMahieu. Uh, batting second, playing right field, Aaron Judge. Batting third, your center fielder, Jason Dominguez. I love that. We'll get back to that. Okay, we've got Stanton batting fourth, designated hitter. Wah, wah. Volpe batting fifth, the shortstop. Wells batting sixth, the catcher. Pereira. Batting seventh, the left fielder, Peraza. Batting eighth, the second baseman, Cabrera. Batting ninth, the third baseman, Severino. On the hill. First pitch is 7-10. So, uh, all right, what do you like about it? I love Dominguez batting third. That's a big spot for the kid. They tested him. Trial by fire, man. Hit a home run, your first at bat. Boom, we're putting you third. We're going to smoosh you in between Judge and Stanton. Just like in their uh, in their uh, batting practice um, uh, groups, so somebody got booted out of that. I don't know who it is, but it's uh, it's it's typically Judge, Stanton, Volpe, and Rizzo. I don't know, man, but but Dominguez is now part of that that group, that batting practice group. They're usually in fours, 
So I don't know, but Dominguez batting third is awesome. Let's see. Let's see what he can do. Sandwich between Judge and Stanton. Cool. Then you've got Wells, the, the call up from last night. One, two, three, four, five, six. Batting sixth. Yeah, I like it. Um, you know what I don't like though? I don't like Volpe batting fifth. I'll tell you why. Because let's just say John Carlos Stanton gets on base. Let's just say as the number four hitter. Everybody knows he he can't run. He he he's not a runner. So to put Volpe, who is arguably the best runner on the team, probably is the best runner on the team, behind Stanton, I feel like he's been clogged up a little bit. He's been stymied. In the in the event that Stanton does get on base, so we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, if if you got Stanton on let's say second and Volpe on on first, I don't like that look. That's not a great look for me. But hey, we'll see what the see what the kids can do. Go over to the Mets for uh, go back to your calls at eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Um, here we go. Some things to point out. We got Nimmo batting first. We got uh, uh, Lindor second. McNeil third. Alonzo fourth. Followed by good old Danny Vogelback fifth. DJ Stewart sixth. Mark Vientos seventh. Narvaez eighth. And Ronnie Mauricio. Actually, I should have told. I should have said this. I should have tweeted it. It's like Buck Showalter puts his lineup together based on, like, <laughs> years of service. You're brand new? You're going to bat ninth forever. Like, come on. Ronnie Mauricio, move him up. Move him up. He was two for three last night, for crying out loud. I will never understand the way Buck Showalter creates a lineup with this Mets team, especially this season. I just don't get it. Move them up. 877-337-6666. We go out to Gary in Bay Ridge. What's up there, Gary? Hi, Danielle. How are you? Oh, great. How are you? Great. Uh, I just want to let you know, I was at the concert last night, the Bruce concert. Oh, yeah. How and, was it? Uh, don't give any spoilers well, alert, but how was it? No, no, I won't tell you. Any, uh, there's a lot of spoilers, but I won't tell you. And it's, it's three hours of nonstop. I mean... Uh, he's unbelievable. The man's going to be 74, and he, yeah. he tr- truly performs like he's 40. So what time uh, did he come on last night? Because I've seen 7.30. That's what I wanted to tell you. Yeah. He doesn't come on until 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock. Oh, good. So I don't have to drive like a mad woman through the Lincoln Tunnel? Right. Tunnel's? At least last night, and I heard the first uh, Wednesday night also in the start till 8 o'clock. Okay, that's great news. Okay, and no opener, yeah. right? It's just him? No opener. Okay. Just Bruce and his East Street band for three hours. That's cool. All right, you'll so have the, you'll have the greatest time ever. Thank you, thank you. So he goes on at eight, and, and I, you said three hours. He ends at eleven, I assume. Then, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for that tip. Exactly. There, exactly. Started at eight and exactly ended like five minutes to eleven. Perfect. Okay. How many encores did he do last night? Two. A lot. <laughs> a lot. He did, yeah. He did. Uh, and and when you think it's all over, then he does one one, one slow song at the very very end. Okay. Okay. 28 songs in, in total. Wow, pretty good for a 73, almost four year old. That's pretty good. Yeah, and he, <laughs> and he, and he, and he all over. The, I mean, all of them. You know how they, you know, interact with the audience yeah. and jump all over the. I, I don't want to tell you too much. Yeah. You, you just, you'll love it. All right, cool. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk I, about I, I it on agree. Monday. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I'm agree with you real quickly about yeah. uh, the the lineup because we just mentioned that, and it's unbelievable that he always puts the young guys. Right down an eighth, ninth hole in the Unbelievable. Order. Said, yeah. Unbelievable. And like, what, let's see what we have for next year. Let's put them up there. Expose them to the, you know, right. to, the, to the middle of the lineup. And look what it, the Yankees are doing. It doesn't do. make any sense. Jason Dominguez, he's batting third tonight. That's cool. 
Trial by fire, man, Gary. I'm with you. And thanks for the tip on Bruce Springsteen. I'll, I'll report back on Monday. You I have my word. One real quick thing. One real quick thing, Alonzo. You're 100% right. The, the guy has done nothing but been great for the community and, yeah. and been, a, been a great man. Yep. And it's, it's a shame that he has to be put through this. It's yep. just horrible. Totally agree And that's with all you. I got to say. And uh, enjoy the concert. I know you will. Have a great right. night. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate that. And, yep, I totally and completely agree. The guy's forced to, to now defend his reputation and his body of work and, and, you know, bring up some things that maybe people don't want. Maybe he went to go visit a hospital and now he has to say, hey, look, I went to a hospital. Like, do you think last night, like the timing of that, do you think that was pre-planned for him to bring out those kids to the stadium? I don't, I don't know. I think they're on total overdrive, uh, you know, PR mode for Pete Alonzo now. Total overdrive. And not that they have to be. Because the guy's been a model met from the beginning. We go to Steve down in El Paso, Texas, listening on the Odyssey app. What's going on, Steve? Hi, Danielle. Thanks for the uh, time. Listen, I've been listening to the fans for the last couple of weeks, and it's the same subject over and over and over again. I've been a Mets fan, God, 40-something years, mm-hmm. since the early 80s, late 70s. And I-, I look at the franchise, and first off, this year, the Padres and the Mets are the same. They had the exact same kind of rosters, high-priced talent, so much expectations coming off last season, and the teams are doing the same thing. They're both disappointing. They both could not put it together. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes chemistry means everything. And you get a couple of pitching injuries and guys don't hit the way they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you're, you know, you're out of the playoffs in July instead of being in there in September. Right. But the talk about, the talk about Alonzo to me, he's, you know, he's a building block. He's a key member. And you look at the Dodgers and the Braves, and that's how you build a team in 2023. Yeah. You've got your... Young stars, you lock them up long-term, you get good team-friendly deals, you take care of them early, and then you build around them with your farm system. Right. And if I'm, if I'm Cohen and I'm the Mets, you know, you buy, you're buying your prospects, it's fine, too, like they did with uh, the Rangers and the Astros. But what they need to do right now is figure out which young players are not going anywhere, right. take care of the key guys, and then fill in the pieces. You look at, you know, you look at the Braves, and look what they did with Murphy, and then you look what they did with Olsen. They grabbed two guys. That are having monster seasons, and they scouted right young players to complement their nucleus, and that's what the Mets need to do. Listen, Steve, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I had somebody on Twitter saying, "Well, you know, Steve Cohen and, and, and Alonso, they don't need to settle something now. They could do it after next season, which is totally fine." But to rebut that, I would say, "Well, look at the Judge model." The Yankees offered Judge money. He didn't take it. They ended up paying way more than they were going to pay after the fact. Get it done now. Give them a real good deal now and get it done with. They should have done it years ago. Yeah. You're right. Do it now. Don't make it any worse than it already is. Yep. But look, he's the face of the franchise. Definitely. Fans love him. All he does is produce. You've got an owner that's got more money than God. Mm-hmm. What you got to do now is just pay the man, lock him up, and go from there. Totally agree with you. Could not ha- agree more with you, Stephen. Thanks for the call. Absolutely. That's exactly what the Mets should be doing. Don't roll the dice. And, and, you know, Pete Alonso's, I don't know if you know this, watching him play, I don't know him personally, but watching him play, he seems like a real emotional guy. He does. So, you know, if the Mets make a move or they rub him the wrong way or send this year to arbitration to let him hear how horrible he is on the field and he doesn't produce in that situation and this one and this one, and he's got to sit through that, I will promise you, he will be out of here just for the disrespect if they make him sit through an arbitration thing. I'm telling you. I don't know him, but I'm telling you. I, I know the type. He would be so disres- feel so disrespected that he- he'd want to book his ticket out of here. 
Just get it done now. Let's go to Great Neck. And Raphael, you're up on the fan. Yes, I want to know why Lindsey Nelson is not on the Wall of Fame when Ralph Kleiner and Bob Murphy were his three co-hosts when the Mets went to the Mets. You know what, Raphael? That's a, that's a great question. Wish I had the answer to it. I don't. I'm sorry. Let's go to uh, Connecticut. In uh, and Wilson, you're up on a fan. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm, I'm sorry I'm changing it to football. Oh, that's okay. I call every now and then. I'm a diehard Giants fan. That's cool. What do you got for me? But over under, Giants, is seven and a half. I just think that's low, especially when now you have a 17-game um, season. I mean, if you go and just not take it as a Giants fan, you go through every game, win-loss, I've done it with about 20 different people, different fans, different whatever. We have about 9 or 10 wins. I'm just kind of picking your brain on this. Yeah, uh, I think 7.5 when I saw that, I was like, that is way low. Way right? I'm not saying the Giants are winning the, the East. I, I don't think they are. No, the NFC I East. agree. But n- seven and a half, that's like a little disrespectful, I think. That's right. I mean, you could win that bet with a losing record. Yeah. You could, you know, yes. and, and then and then you look, you're, you're playing. Yeah, if you look at the teams they're playing, of course, on paper it was great, but you're playing Green Bay without Aaron Rodgers. You're playing... Now you're playing New England Patriots. They're not the same. You're playing teams that on paper look great, but if you really look at it, yeah. they're not the same teams. Yeah, I think, I, you know what, and I, and I wanted to bring this up today, and thanks for reminding me because I just looked up week one, obviously okay. Dallas Cowboys. What disrespect is going on in Dallas for Dak Prescott? I mean, really, I, feel, I kind of feel bad for the guy in a way. They're bringing in Trey Lance. There's, there's never right. anything nice said about Dak Prescott. I don't get right. it. Right. I know, and then it's going to be the a couple weeks in there. They're going to be asking for Trey Lance. I think, yeah, yeah I, I agree. I, I, I think uh, in, in Dallas, a couple weeks into that season, you might have a mess on their hands. I, I, uh, I can almost guarantee it, and and I hope that the inner turmoil over there works to the Giants' advantage in Week One and in Week Ten. You never know; it could be awesome. Uh, I'm glad we're on the same page. So I'm saying right now, uh, seven and a half up. To take a chance. On over it. And, and for sure. Over, over, over. over. <laughs> Go. You could win with a losing record. There's not many times you could win a bet with a losing record. Um. Well, that would mean you have to win eight games, right? It would be yeah, and eight and nine, eight and nine. Oh yeah. Uh, eight and nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight and nine, losing record. Eight and nine, you win your bet with a losing record. I think it's a no-brainer. You know, nah, I'm not saying <laughs> put the house on it, but yeah. I'm just saying that's a nice, as a Giants fan, that's a nice bet to, to, to take a chance on. I would. I would definitely take a chance on that, Wilson. Thanks but, for the call there. Uh, I would definitely. And, and I, I did do a, oh, God, somewhere in my notes, I did a Twitter poll I went. I was gonna say years ago. No, a long time ago. Where? Let me find it real quick. I asked. Uh, yeah, I said uh, Giants fans over and under seven and a half wins. Seventy-five percent of Giants fans said over. Me too. I would vote over as well. So yes, do it. Take the over on the Giants win total this season. Absolutely. All right, you can find me on uh, Coach McCartan, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com/slash Coach McCartan. Uh, we're gonna hit a quick break here. 
and a manual update. We've got a changing of the guard behind the glass by Brian Rusconi. Did a great job today. We say hello to Paul Rosenberg, and now we'll continue the show. I'm on until 6.30, up to Yankees pregame on WFAN. My name is Danielle McCartan, recharged, ready to go for the final half hour, taking you right up to Yankees pregame. Yankees, of course, uh, you just heard Emmanuel say they are hitting Jason Dominguez third. That is what I am most excited about in this Yankee game. I can't wait to get home and watch it. And, uh, of course, I'll be watching both because I'll be back with you tomorrow. Um, I was under the impression it was 3.30 to 6.30, but I just, Paul came in, he saved it because it's after Rutgers until 6.30. So whatever time that game ends... That's when I'm on. Should be around 3.30-ish. So, yes. Uh, let's see. Paul with the assist there. So, uh, 877-337-6666 is the number to call. But uh, I got to say, call me crazy. And, and I probably would too. But I made a bet yesterday. Since our Mets and our Yankees will not be playing fall ball this season, although they are not mathematically eliminated. I get it. I am jumping aboard, officially, and I'll tell you why in a second. The Cincinnati Reds bandwagon. I put a bet of $20 at plus 21,000 odds, which means my total payout, if the Reds win the World Series, would be $4,220. And as Ben from Queens on Twitter put it, sacrificing lunch money for courtside seats. I'm good with that. I think the Reds are a scrappy team. I like the way that they're built. They've got a good mix of players. They also claim, by the way, I'm sure you know, Bader. They claim Renfro off waivers, which I don't know. I think is two smart late-season moves to try to make a push. And at the time that I made the bet, 5 p.m. on Thursday, they were only one game out of a wild-card spot, six games out of winning the division. Crazier things have happened. And at plus 21,000, count me in. Let me put it all on red. See what I did there? Let's go Reds. 877-337-6666. And oh, by the way, only because our Mets and our Yankees are not going to be playing postseason baseball. That's the only reason why I did it. All right, let's see what we got here. Um, Hmm. I want to do Mets or Yankees. Let's do uh, let's do Yankees real quick because we got one of those the rest of the Mets. So let's go to Dan in Tom's River. Hey Dan, what's going on? Hey Coach, how are you? I love the show. Thank you. Appreciate that. No worries. And one quick take on the volleyball. Yeah, I played volleyball my whole life. Yep, it was easily the funnest sport I ever played. You could get ten people pickup game. Beach, I played in high school. Court. I used to go to the gym. I, I still, I'm 30 years old now. I still go to the gym twice a week at night and play volleyball. It's See? The funnest, the funnest sport I've ever really played that you could just do. But I'm with you. I coached that, it for a while. I played it too. Awesome. Fast paced. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, you coached it. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, with the Yankees, the Yan- they're, they're killing me and watching the kids is okay, but. Yeah. Realistically, it's not the expectation of the Yankees. Correct. You know what I mean? We need to start winning, and it's it's ridiculous. We're paying all these guys. Rodon, what was that signing for? You know what I mean? I like, don't know. I tried to warn him against it. I did. <laughs> yeah, I did the same thing. 
I did the same thing. Her all the time, ground ball pitcher, not meant for Yankee Stadium at all. It Seems like a nice no guy, though. At the time. <laughs> I yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess so. I, I know. know but... Well, Dan, here's the thing. Here's what we're going to do. <laughs> We're going to change the mindset. Thanks for the call. We're going to change the mindset. Instead of saying, oh, we got to watch these kids. We'd rather be watching you know, them play in the, in, the, in the postseason. Sure, let's change the mindset. Let's say, hey, we're evaluating our young talent to see how we can better the team to make a run at the postseason next year. So a little bit of mindset change, maybe a little bit more stomachable over the last, um, I don't know, month or so or less of the season. Eight seven. Oh, I think it was the last Yankee game. I think it's October second. So exactly one month. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. We go to the Pete Alonso trade talk and the, the ridiculousness of it all. Guy's been a model citizen. There's no way he should be traded. It's, it, he should be made a Met for life. No questions asked. I don't understand what's going on here. Let's go to Maureen and Seaford. You're up on the fan. Danielle. Maureen. Can you hear me? I got you, Maureen. Let me just start with, I listen to all of them. Joe, Evan, you name them, I listen. I don't get to hear you as much as I'd like, but you are amazing. Thanks, Maureen. I appreciate that. But I'm going to be brief here. Sure. I'm going to, the whole Alonzo thing, I've been a diehard Met fan I am 59 years old. Mm-hmm. I've been a Met fan since I'm six. We had season tickets, et cetera, et cetera. Here's my question with Alonzo. I get the business move. Here, just hear me out. To, to trade okay, him, you're saying? You so, get the business move to trade him? Is that what you're saying? Right. Like, okay. like Pete, you trade him now because he's awesome. And you get some amazing prospects. And then uh, after 2024, right, then the Mets say, you know what? We, he's a free agent. We'll, we'll outbid everybody for him. Yeah, so two things to that. Number one, they're, they're, and thanks for the call there, Maureen. Two things there. Number one, I understand it, you know, but I don't I agree with it at all because you saw what happened with Judge and the Yankees. Not only did he, I mean, ultimately he became a Yankee again, but you don't want to take the chance. You know, arson judge, right? Remember that tweet? Arson judge to the Giants. There's a chance, A, he would not come back to the Mets because of the disrespect he felt. He's an emotional player. He's got to be an emotional guy. Uh, B, the Yankees ended up paying way more, way, way more than they were expecting to for Aaron Judge. And C, if I'm another team... Trading for Pete Alonso and trading my best prospects to get him and a haul of them, I am not going to sign him without a long-term deal if I'm another team. It's not going to happen. And you are not, let me underscore this again, you are not trading Pete Alonso for a handful of prospects that may or may not even see the field. You know what I'm saying? So no. Uh, Maureen, I appreciate it. I like the idea. I heard you out. It's never going to happen. I would, I would never do it. I don't want to say it's never going to happen, but I would say I would never, ever do that. Let's go to Mike in Nutley, New Jersey. You're up next here on The Fan. Hey, Danielle. How are you? Great. How are you? Good, good. Just uh, quickly on Alonzo. You remember me and my son's the airline pilot. Uh, oh, anyway, yeah. 
Uh, can you, yeah, I'm, Mike, can you send me that picture again? I get so many messages and I lost it. Can you send that one more time? You lost me? it again? I got to yes. call my son again. I will do it, I promise. All right, thanks. I'm, I'm a Yankee sorry. fan, but when, I, but when I listen to the Alonzo thing, I listen, I say, what's wrong with this picture? I mean, Alonzo's not a bad guy, right? Right. But why in the world would these, these, these rumors be coming out that Alonzo's toxic, that Alonzo's this, that Alonzo's that? And to me, I believe that this is my theory. I believe secretly that the agent for... Uh, or that the Mets have basically like thrown a number at Alonzo, like maybe six years at thirty million, one hundred and eighty million. And I believe that Alonzo's agent says, "No, no, my guy's more like Aaron Judge, who's making three hundred and sixty million. So therefore, I think that privately they are so far apart that the Mets are kind of greasing the fans to say that Alonzo may not be uh, Alonzo may get traded because they might feel that he's too, you know, he's too far apart. You know, if you look at Alonzo, he, he, you know, he could say, you know, Judge hit 50 home runs as a rookie, I hit 51. Judge won the home run derby, I won the home, I won the home run derby twice. But you know what I'm talking about? I, I understand, I understand, like, if I was an agent, those are the, the things I would say, and, 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 yes. but I don't think, I actually don't think that Pete Alonzo should, should garner Judge money. I just don't, personally. No, I don't, I don't believe he should either, but I believe his agent will, Maybe. uh, well, yeah. Well, they want that, and when you, when you go out to bid, it's amazing. You get all these crazy teams, like you know, remember the Giants? Uh, and what the was Padres. It? Well, the Padres yeah. offered the uh, offered Judge like four hundred and ten million. You know what I mean? People yeah, get right. crazy. So, right. It's when it comes down to a matter of money. I believe that privately, that the agents and the Mets realize that they're so far apart that the Mets are kind of like uh, knocking Alonzo because it doesn't make sense. Alonzo's a good guy. And there'd be no reason to knock them. So whenever I see something wrong, I believe that there's something that we're not aware of, and I think that's my theory. Could be, but it's that not the te- it. it's not the team that's knocking them. The team has has done everything right by him. Yeah, not the players, no. But there could be people in the front office. Somebody, I don't know. It's like Sal Licata has spent like a three hour show saying uh, he's heard from people in the know that Alonzo's toxic. I mean, there's been a lot of people that have said that. And, yeah, but and I, there's, listen, there's no I, evidence that he is. I've got yeah, right, exactly. And I, I've got a source myself, and uh, I, he's very connected to the Mets, very. And he said, right. "This is a quote." He said, "Pete's not the issue at all." Definitely right. overstated to some degree, but it's not as warm and fuzzy as last year. And I said, uh, my response was, of course, they're losing. It's not going to be as warm and fuzzy. So obviously, but too. yeah, I mean, uh, but, listen, I, I don't believe a single thing about it. I, like, I, I think, and I've seen I it in my own eyes. Mike, Pete Alonso's a great guy. So I think he is too. That's why I think secretly it's, it's privately there, there's a money issue that, that we're not aware of as fans. I mean, think private. about it though, Steve, it, think I'm sorry, Mike, I was reading the word Steve Cohen, in, in fact, but think about it. When you look at what Steve Cohen has done, he's issued contracts to Diaz. He's issued contracts to McNeil, Nimmo, um, Lindor, Scherzer, in and out for tens of millions of dollars. He bought three prospects for $80 million. If I was Pete Alonso, I'd be pretty miffed at that, too. All in my tenure with the Mets, I'd be miffed. I would. Absolutely, I agree with you. As a matter of fact, I believe that Steve Cohn's saying, you know, wait a minute, I'm starting to get taken here. The very first one with Lindor, I mean, Lindor really took him all the way where he had to get $341 million. (laughs) You know what I mean? And and then you look, and then he spent, now he's now, uh, Mr. Cohn paying $100 million just to, to have his players play for other teams so he can get prospects. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's uh, Mr. Cohen privately is thinking that, you know, he's starting to look like a fool. And I, I think he's now, unfortunately, it's coming up at the wrong time because Alonzo's homegrown. But I, I think that, you know, he doesn't want to overpay for Alonzo. And you know, Alonzo, belie- and I 
believe that Alonzo is very prideful and he feels he's as big as Aaron Judge. That's just, you know, my, my yeah. take on it. I mean, and that's only when things don't sound right to something that we don't know, and that's that's my theory. Yeah, and, and, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, thanks, thanks for the call. I mean, it's it's not a bad theory, and, and maybe it's true. I mean, I've said it before. All those contracts, all those dollars went out the door, and you, you're going to try to offer me something that I know I'm worth more of? More than? Well, I'd be pretty pissed, too. I would. I, it's, I, I'm just being honest. So, but what I'm saying is they got to bridge that gap faster than, than, you know what I'm saying? They, they got to do it. They got to do it now. It can't get worse. He, it cannot get any worse. They can't, the Mets cannot allow it to get any worse. Uh, let's go to uh, Gary in Lawrence, New York. What's up, Gary? Can you hear me? Yes, I got you. First of all, I'm a big fan. You're very knowledgeable. Thank you. But I got to ask a question. What am I missing here? I, I'm, I'm older than you. I'm old-fashioned. And I don't want to trade Pete. But Pete's hitting 220. He, he, you can make a case he's more like Dave Kingman than he is Aaron Judge. And he's, and he's going to want Judge money. Educate me. Tell me what, what, what's wrong with my thinking. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, listen, I get it. I understand. He's hitting what? What is he hitting? Two fifty. He he's got the lowest batting average uh, among all first basemen. That's yeah. that's for sure. I looked that up this morning. But when you look at you know his his production otherwise, I mean, he he it's he's the if you take him out of the lineup. Let me ask you this: Who's the power hitting Met? He's the guy. Yeah. Okay, and right. he's a nice guy. But you know, you know when you you're looking for a leader in the clubhouse. You know, the last couple of years, every time they, they collapse towards the end of the season, we interview Pete. It's all a big thing. We know what we're doing. We're going to back, you know, bounce back the okay. next day. And you know, you can't, you can't take that anymore. Yeah, I, I, but what else is he going to say? You know, like you've got he, he's one home run shy of having forty back to back home run seasons. He's yeah. Look at and I looked this morning about and I compared him against all the other first basemen in the league. He's got the fourth best slugging percentage, sixth yeah. best OPS. He's got the third most home runs in the league at this moment in time. Like the Mets need him. The two twenty bothers me though. Know. Uh, well, uh, yes, yes, it, it should a little bit, yeah. but I mean, Gary, you look at everything else. I mean, he's got an OPS plus of one thirty. I mean, all of these things he is now. You can make up batting average elsewhere, and he's one. Of, he is the most productive RBI man this team has. Like, I actually put a preseason bet on Pete Alonso to lead the league in RBI, and he was third for a while. Second, third, second, third. I checked this morning; he's down to fifth. But you know what I'm saying? Like in the league, in the league, he is one of the most productive. Hitters in this lineup with nobody protecting him, by the way. Daniel Vogelback behind him. Give me a break. Imagine if this team actually had someone hitting behind him that could protect him. What he could do. So, yeah, maybe it's 220. It's not great, but what is league average? Let me see. League average, batting average, 2023. Let's see. Uh, there's an easy way to do this, and, and I can't find it off the top of my head. But I, I, I let me see. All right, uh, you know what? Let me go to the next call. I, I want to make sure everybody gets in that calls. And you don't listen to me googling, but uh, I would venture to guess that it's probably right under league average. That would be my guess. But I'll get back to you. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. We go out to Steve in Arizona, who is listening on the Odyssey app. What's up there, Steve? How's it going out there? Good. How you doing, Danielle? Good. Love the show. I always listen when you're on. So Thank you're doing you. a great job. Thank you. 
Wait, um, wait. Uh, Steve, to, give me one want, second. The league batting average for right this season is, is uh, across all of Major League Baseball, 249. So he is under that. But go ahead. Okay. I just want to clarify right. that before I forgot. Okay. Um, I want to talk about the Mets being hit by pitches and they don't retaliate. I know everybody talked about this for the longest time. Yeah. And for some reason, Mets don't want to fight. But if I'm Alonzo and get, getting thrown at my head a few times, and if you don't want to charge the mound, take the bat and fling it at the pitcher's legs. Mm, like Piazza if style? Think, if you think this is a crazy idea, in the early 70s, 71, 72, maybe 73 playoffs, Campanaris, they threw at his feet because he was such a great base dealer, mm-hmm. and Campanaris threw the bat at the pitcher, okay? Mm. You might get suspended. You will get suspended, but I'm sure it's going to send a message to the pitchers and other teams. About, what do you think? Steve, before we even get to that point, how about the manager vacates the dugout to get in someone's face when that happens? Can we have that at least? Can we start there? Of, of course, the of scowl. course, but for some reason, uh, they don't want to fight. They I, don't want to fight, so take the bat and uh, sling it at the pitcher's leg, and uh, you'll get somebody's attention. Uh, I get it, but I would love to see the manager, just, the, the scowl. I can't take the scowl. Like, as soon as a batter gets plunked, they, the camera obviously cuts to Buck Showalter in, in the dugout, and it's just him just looking, 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 and then it cuts back to game action. I mean... Maybe the fight has to come from the manager. That's one thing I do like about Aaron Boone. And I know people make fun of how he gets ejected and everything like that, but I love the fire from him. For the both of them, I wish the fire trickled down to their teams, though. But I understand what you're saying. I get it, but kind of old school. I do, but I, I, I get it. I do. But how about we just start step one with the manager st- taking a, a step outside of the dugout. Let's start there. We go to Dominic in East Rochester. Dominic, you're up on the fan. You might be the closer of the night. All right, Danny. I don't mind closing. I hope I do better than Chapman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when he came in that Met game the other night to pitch against the Mets, I was like, have no fear. He will cough it up. Don't worry. And promptly, uh, seven pitches later, the game was over. Danny, I just couldn't stand them from day one to the last day. I just couldn't yep. stand but anyway, uh, Danny, I, I do have a word on the the, the uh, baseball GMs in uh, New York. But on this hitting of batters, you know, Danny, uh, I love Joe Torre. I'm sure you did, too. But he let Boston get away with murder with us, too. You know, they used the, the Pedro Martinez. He, he, he murdered us. And it, yeah. there was once when they, hit, when they had hit us 100 times and we had hit them 10 times. I mean, I love that team we had, but that was one thing, you know, that they didn't do, and they, of course, never got Tubby Ortiz or Manny Ramirez off the plate either. You know, they never got him off the plate. Mm-hmm. They just let him keep diving over the plate. But, you know, Danny, on the GMs, uh, especially ours, our Yankee, uh, you know, Cashman, who I know is not going to get fired, unfortunately. You know, if these kids do a good job, say they do a good job, okay, you know, Cashman better than the other guy. Better not start gushing over it. He better st- he better be hiding his head that he didn't bring these guys up a long mm-hmm. time ago. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't want to hear him start gushing about what a great job he did about bringing these guys up through the system, yeah. so on and so forth. I hope they do well, but then I want to hear him say, which he won't, "I should have brought them up months ago." Yep. 
or or you get a good feel for him throughout the month of September and say, okay, we now know what we have. We have some trade pieces, right? Because he, he's known to be a prospect hugger, obviously. So not all there's not room for all of them there, Dominic. And I'm uh, I I would love to hear that as well. I should have brought him up sooner. They could have made an impact sooner. He'll never do it though. You're right. He'll never say that. He'd have to admit he was wrong. He'll never say that. But I, I just love the direction that, that both of the teams are taking right now. It's it's hard to not, for me anyway, it's hard to not get excited about watching these young players come up and try, you know, live out their dreams. And, I mean, who doesn't love the, the, the family reactions when these guys get their first Major League Baseball hits? I mean, there were three of them last night in all of their first games. Dominguez and Wells, and, and their families were sitting right in, front and back of each other, which was awesome to see them see them celebrate together. Mauricio's, oh my God, there were like 20 of them. They were going nuts. You love those moments. And if you're the front offices of both teams, you take those moments, you take these players, you evaluate them, determine if they're going to be part of your team moving forward or if they're going to be on a trade block in, in the winter. So both teams in that regard are in a good spot. Well, anyway, thanks to all the callers. Could not have done it without you today, and I love coming here and talking with you. Thanks for coming, with, uh, hanging with me for the past, oh, I don't know, four and a half hours. If you missed any portion of today's show, hit the Odyssey Rewind feature and select the start of the show, which was 2 p.m. Great job to Brian Rascona behind the glass, now Paul Rosenberg behind the glass, Emmanuel Barbari on the updates. And I'm going to see you tomorrow after the Rutgers game, which is about 3.30 to 6.30 p.m. And in the meantime... Hit my social media channels at Coach McCartan on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan, and we'll keep the conversation going. We've got New York Yankees baseball pregame coming up next right here on The Fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM. The Fan.